Hello and welcome to the BNB show. My name is Brandon. This, of course, over here is Brendan from Seahawks, Brendan Nelson. And we're coming at you live tonight to discuss a little bit of some free agents goings on with our Seattle Seahawks. How are you doing this evening, Brendan? Doing pretty good, man. I'm doing pretty good, feeling all right. It's been a long week for me, but it's been a fruitful week. And I, I mean, the team is doing stuff. The team is showing their hand a little bit, and that's always fun. So, yeah, it's been quite a journey these last few days. It has indeed. And folks, uh, Brennan has been streaming all week from his side of it. Are you still going tomorrow too? Yes, mm-hmm. I am. So he'll be uh, he'll be getting up at tomorrow at nine o'clock, I believe, or right around that area. And uh, yeah. he's been streaming all week over on his channel. So if you folks aren't subbed up, please don't get subbed up over there at Seahawks. Brendan Nelson, um, have you been having a fun time with it? How's it been going? <clears throat> it's been going really good, actually. Um, people have been really supportive. People have come out. I had over eight hundred viewers at one point on the first day stream, um, and we didn't do anything that day even. So that shows you that people are showing up um it, it's been great it's been great there's been a lot of intriguing things that have happened we've had a lot of fun and yeah i'm uh i'm happy i'm happy with the way things are going on the streams maybe a, a dare i say a yearly event yeah i did it last year actually so i'll probably do it again this year or there next year it's probably going to be first week of free agency and then i'm going to do it during the draft and those are going to be like the big stretches of the off season for the channel which makes sense right it does, especially in the in the 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 depths of the off season, you know, just as you're kind of getting a, in between the quiet times, so to speak, that uh, happen and occur. Well, uh, our Hawks did have some money to spend this free agent period and have gone out and made a few signings across the board here. Brendan, not been super active, but they have definitely uh, brought in a couple of guys here. So uh, let's kind of go down the list of these guys and uh, start out with the one off the top. We had to wait late into the day on the first day of tampering, but then we got the announcement that Draymond Jones was going to come to the Seattle Seahawks on a three-year deal. What about 17 and a half, 18 million dollars somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on that signing? Well, he was one of my top targets going into this off season. He was somebody that I had ranked very high on my free agency tier list. Um, other than Deron Payne, who was taken off the board before uh, f- free agency even started, he was probably my number one defensive lineman. Um, there's a lot of flexibility to him. He's lined up in many different roles for that Denver defense. He's played some edge. He's played, uh, what, what do they call it, uh, two eye. He's played the three. He's played the four. He's done five technique stuff. He's done so many different things for that Denver team. And um, in some ways, you could almost compare him to like a Michael Bennett type in his flexibility in how Denver uses him, and he's been very effective over these past uh, four years. And as a pass rusher, he's been pretty destructive. He's uh, built up 22 sacks over the last four years, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is for a guy playing that position most of the time. Most of the time, he is a 3-4 defensive end. Uh, Sometimes, like I said, he plays nose tackle. Uh, Occasionally, he'll play edge. That's relatively rare, but he does have the flexibility to do that. Um, Some of the issues with him as a player could be alleviated by the fact that a he's only 26 he can get better number two if you look at it one thing that i personally noticed about him looking into it is it seems like he's not very good against the run um pro football focus actually has some advanced metrics you can look at his uh average depth of tackle down the field is actually one of the worst in the league for defensive linemen and his run grade in general has been relatively poor over his career what i will say about that is a he's young he can get better Number two, I'm wondering if sometimes things like that get affected by 
the situations you get put in as a player. And um, Draymond Jones, ever since he entered the NFL, has been on teams that have had horrible offenses. You go down the list, it's like 28th, 28th, 23rd, and last year 32nd. So he's been on probably the worst offense in the league collectively over the last four years. And that could contribute heavily to the fact that his run defense numbers have not been so good. That could easily explain, like, because you're on the field more. The other team gets to run the ball more because they're not playing from behind as much because your team isn't scoring. Things like that. Mm -hmm. So there are some concerns here for sure. um, But overall, I think he's a really great player and I'm really excited to have him. It's, in terms of money, the biggest free agent the Seahawks have ever signed. Uh, Now, if you scale it for the salary cap, you might be able to say like Julian Peterson was more or somebody like that was a little bit more. But in terms of actual dollar value, it's the biggest free agent we've ever signed. Uh, The contract is pretty good. The guarantees are low. Um, The first year cap, it is like 10 million. The frustrating thing is, you know, you could have gotten it a good amount lower if you had used void years like every other team in the world is doing. And we're just the one team that's not. We could have gotten that number down to 7 million. But 10 million first year cap hit is perfectly reasonable. I'm not against that. And then there's an easy out after two years where there's like 6 million dead. And um, you can kind of make a decision at that point. You could even release him after one year. I don't think we would do that. But um, yeah, I, I really like Draymond Jones. He was one of my favorites. And I was pretty excited when we started the free agency off with him. Yeah, he seems like he's going to be a really good uh, addition to the ball club, uh, certainly at least a moderate upgrade over what you had when Shelby Harris, um, theoretically over kind of in as a total with a player as he goes. Uh, it does show that with that cat hip, cat hip though, uh, 10 million, to put this in perspective for you folks, you have Hargrave with the Niners, his first cap hits down at six and about half million dollars. So you're almost spending 40% more on your cap hit this year for Draymond Jones and the way that you structured that particular contract. But uh, he will help the team. He will help the defense. And if they can round out more of the depth on this defensive line, he certainly would be a a key member on that rotation, Brendan. Um, Well, let's uh, move right down the line here. Then we got the next day of free agency. The Seahawks went back to the defensive line to go find an old friend. They tend to like to go with former defensive linemen, big time here in Seattle. And they did so once again with uh, Jaron Reed. Not a big deal, a two-year deal that they put him on there. But uh, where were you at with that one? Um, I, I think the main word I would use when describing this deal is unambitious. There's definitely something unambitious about bringing in uh, Jaron Reed. And people in my chat the last couple of days have been telling me it's Jaron Reed, not Jaron Reed. So I'm trying to... You know, I have years and years of saying Jerron Reed in my on my tongue, so it's going to take a while. But <laughs> Jaron Reed, um, he just seems like a kind of a jag at this point, maybe a little bit better than a jag. He's a more well-rounded player than the guy he's nominally replacing, Quentin Jefferson, because we released uh, Q Jeff. And, okay, that's cool, because if you look at the metrics, Quentin Jefferson was actually a really effective pass rusher last year. His PFF metrics for pass rushing were great, but he was maybe the worst defensive lineman in the league against the run. Jaron Reed's a little more balanced balanced as a player, so that's cool. But there's no real upside here of getting like a star. Now, before I pass judgment really on the Jaron Reed deal, I want to see exactly how the contract breaks out. Because the initial report was two years, 10.8 million. 
but it's also been reported that there are incentives in that deal that are not going to be part of the cap hit initially. So it might end up being like two years, 8 million with incentives. And if that's the case, that first year cap, hit might be two and a half million. And then you cut him in year two for like a 2 million dead cap hit. So then you're kind of looking at it like, okay, it's one year, 4.5 million split across two years, almost like that 2 million on the second year's avoid year in its own way, you're kind of doing a void year without calling it a void year almost. Because if the second year of that contract gives Jaron, Jaron Reed like, you know, five, six, five and a half or six million, there's no way he's going to stick on that unless he kills it this year. Like, uh, I mean, he would, we would probably do what we did with Quentin Jefferson. So it's okay, but I want to see how the money breaks out before I really pass judgment. But it's just kind of unambitious. As to further my point here, Apparently, we were very close to making a deal with Zach Allen on top of Draymond Jones, by the way, not in place of Draymond Jones. On top of Draymond Jones, we couldn't get there with the money. Now, I will grant you, Zach Allen got way more money than I thought he would in Denver. So on a certain to a certain point, you'd say whatever. On the other hand, you have to look at this and go, you know, if we had backloaded or done void years on Draymond Jones's deal a little bit more, maybe we could have made the Zach Allen deal work. So I don't hate it. It just strikes me as a little unambitious and forgettable as a deal. Yeah. Well, you probably look at him too a little bit differently if he is uh, coming in as the back first guy off the bench, sixth man off the bench in the defensive end rotation um, instead of potentially being de facto starter number one out there at the defensive end. Uh, hopefully you've got something better that you can trot out there. Um, maybe you look a little differently with him in that respect too, if yeah. he's in that position. Um well, we came back on the uh, third day, and which would be, I guess, today now, right? Or, well, am I, am I oh, yesterday we literally did nothing. We did nothing yesterday, tendering, so yeah, tendering some players. Skipping, we tendered skipping. some players. We did tender some players. I don't think there was anything surprising in that, Brendan. We had Mike Jackson mm -hmm. and Neil. We both expected yeah. those guys were going to be done in that way. So, um, uh, your depth remains in the cornerback position going into the year on the outside, and you got some insurance for Ryan for uh, Jamal Adams if something yeah. happens with him. Radigan so, got tendered. That was Radigan good. got tendered because certainly and right now. Our favorite Miles Adams got tendered. Oh yeah. Gotta be we back like in that. Gotta bring out the Miles, man. So he's our pass yeah. rusher, defensive pass rusher for the future on that line. Yeah. And real quick, let me just throw one more thing in on that. We did not tender Godwin Icky Bicky, and we did not tender Tanner Muse. But according to Brady Henderson, we're still trying to bring those guys back. And we just wanted to do it not through the tender. Because if you tender them, the money is just fully guaranteed. Right. Which makes and, sense. Yeah. And if you bring them back on a contract, there's like a mitigating factor if they get hurt, I think. Yeah. that's That makes sense. So, yeah, they go into training camp, they get hurt, and it's on. You want to make sure you don't have to get necessarily in that place on the on the contract there. So, um, they probably will bring those guys back. I don't think there's going to be a, a market for either of those guys necessarily. So, um, it would make sense. You know, they come back around and uh, – Again, it's good to have the insurance there, especially for Jamal in his case. And even if he's not there with Ryan Neal as a starter, you do have him out there in the dime situations as your dime cornerback. So he does still find his way on the field there. I think in goal line, they have him out there. So he would still be on the football field, even if Jamal couldn't. And uh, boy, it's nice to have a little bit of that insurance for Jamal, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Very necessary, by the way. And um, in theory, we could still lose him because we used the low tender, the 2.63 mil. So don't be shocked if somebody makes a bid. I would 100%. If I was a team that needed a safety, I would try to sign him to like a $3 million deal all day 
and at least make the Seahawks match it. So don't be shocked if there's a bit of a dispute here. Could happen. They're playing, they're rolling the dice on this one and they're trying to keep it, keep it on the low end if they can. Um, so that could come back to bite them. We'll see if, uh, if it does or not with it. Um, but it is, those guys do help out coming back, um, all the way around with everyone they did tender and Jackson's and, you know, he's a he's slightly below average. I think he's a corner, but he's functional and he can, he's a okay tackler out there. He's got the size they look for. So, you know, it's nice to have that depth going into this draft to give him a little it's more. Less than a million bucks, less than a million bucks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good deal on that standpoint of things. Um, let, let's just let the best man win this next, uh, spring, you know, train, especially when you get Kobe out of the slot and have three guys going at it and just let the best man win, so to speak. Um, it wasn't making a lot of sense when people were talking to me about Darius Slay coming to Seattle. I didn't quite understand um, that as a fit at any really point in time. I know that Diggs was out there recruiting, but I just couldn't quite put that one together from my standpoint. Yeah, he's trying. Diggs has plenty of free time right now. He's uh, he's selling. He's selling and doing what he can. He's a more than a used car salesman out there. God bless him. Um, well, we did come back today. Uh, we signed uh, this uh, center from Detroit today, uh, whose name I don't have in front of me at the moment. Evan Brown. Evan Brown. Um, and so uh, a guy that's moved a little bit between center and guard, played a lot of, started a lot of games for Detroit, seems to be a better fit at the center position than he is at the guard. Isn't going to be for a lot of, a lot of money, though it's a one-year deal again, as I understand it. Uh, it's good, good hedge move, huh? Yeah, I like this one a lot, although we need to see how much the money is. I'm very annoyed that we are like, what, six hours removed from this deal, maybe more. And Evan Brown, we still don't know the money. Like, mm. like there's a big difference there because Spotrack projected he was going to get three years, $32 million. So there's a huge potential for us, uh, different takes here, depending on how much money he's making. Um, there was an initial report that we got him for like 2.3 million, which would be insanely good. That would be like the steal of the century. And then it became more like, well, it's probably 4 million, but we still don't know. So I really want to see how big that contract is. The fact that it's a one-year deal, I mean, that's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, that means there's no backloading and we probably didn't use void years. On the other hand, that doesn't matter if the deal ends up being small, like 4 million or less, which is possible. And you're getting a player at a deeply discounted rate from where he's played the last couple of years. On the other hand, it means that you can pretty easily take a center on day two of the draft and then just say, okay, you two are going to compete for the starting job. And regardless of who wins, if Evan Brown wins that starting job, it's probably just a one-year thing. And then the rookie plans to step up into that role in year two. So I like this one a lot, but it depends on how much the money is. We need to see those contract details. We need to figure out exactly how much money we spend here. But he was a good center in 2021. He played well for the Lions in 12 starts. Last year, he ended up having to play right guard, and he played okay, not as good, but he's more of a center, which is what we need right now. I like this one a lot. I think that one's really sweet, assuming the money is as low as has been rumored. And he's a bigger center. He's not going to get pushed around like Blythe did. It, 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 this one's good. Very good in pass protection. Uh, mm -hmm. He's got a real low pressure rate that he gave up, one of the better ones in the league from the center position in that respect of things. So, uh, yeah, we'll see where the uh, the money goes, but he does give you a little bit of versatility between guard center. And then, like I said, gives you ability if, set, if a rookie comes in not ready to go, you can give that kid a little bit of time to kind of develop when you got somebody in there who's at least uh, functional. So he's at, at guard, he seems to be a negative in pass pro, but a little 
decent in run blocking. And then at center, he seems to be good in pass pro and still decent as a run blocker at that point. So, right. um, yeah, would expect him to be potentially our, our starter out there. That definitely helps us out. Something that we needed. We don't have even a backup center. So we needed to definitely address that on top of trying to find a starter. Uh, he gives you a bit of both on that. Um, yeah. We had one more signing here today, but I think a question that I'd just like to ask you off the basis of kind of what you're talking about with that. Uh, last couple of years, your Seahawks in free agency, even going back to years, Brendan, where you've had $50 million to spend. Your Seattle Seahawks have handed out a lot of one and two year deals over these, these period of time. It's a couple year period now, Brendan. What, uh, what do you make of that? Is this just Seattle's strategy for their contracts? Is just this the way they do business? Is this uh, emblematic of something else going on? Feels like we just like to kick that can down the road as much as we can. And we don't, not, not the Saints way. There's too many different ways to kick a can down the road. The Saints kick their can down the road by going insane. We kick the can down the road by not going insane. We do the exact opposite. Um, you referenced the $50 million offseason where we came away without any huge difference makers, even though every signing that we made in isolation was probably fine, right? Like you look at those deals in isolation, you're like, yeah, okay, okay, that's pretty good. That makes sense. That's all right. But then all the money's gone and you haven't done nearly as much as a team like, could you imagine what a team like the Saints would do if you gave them $50 million in cap space? Oh. Yeah. It would be it would be absurd. This yeah, absurd um, I mean, we're, we saw the Broncos kind of do it over these last few days with less than that, for, less than forty. And I don't really like what they did, but at least they're trying. I actually think that they made some really bad decisions over the past couple of days, but at least they are trying. And um, you, sometimes that's all it takes. Like, um, I will say this. I want to say this. I do think that it's fair to say that the. Uh, contract we gave to Draymond Jones does represent a departure from how they've typically done things. That is a much bigger contract than they typically give out. It's $17 million a year, which like I said, is the biggest contract we've ever given out to an outside free agent. Yes, but it's very familiar to bring back a guy like a Jaron Reed, like a former Seahawk who's kind of a jag now, probably just slightly better than somebody you could pick up in like the fifth round of the draft. But, you know, he's a veteran and he's a good dude and you like him, so you bring him back. But it's not really getting you that excited. There's something very familiar about that. Um, there there maybe were some centers you could have brought in to be like your long-term franchise centers. Instead, you decided to go get Evan Brown for one year. Now, I don't hate what we're doing because I think a big part of what we are doing so far is giving ourselves, how should I put this, uh, flexibility for the draft where we're not pigeonholed into doing any one thing. We can kind of do whatever we want to without being like, okay, we have to take somebody at this position. We have to take somebody at that position because we literally have nobody. So on that level, I kind of like it because unlike typical seasons, we have a lot of draft capital this year. A lot of previous years, we don't. This year, we can go into the draft with more deficiencies on the roster than typical because we have more draft capital than we usually do. But... I mean, I go back to the Zach Allen story. We apparently were very close to getting a deal done with him on top of, and I want to stress that again, on top of Draymond Jones. But we couldn't get it done because Denver was willing to overpay him. Now, I'm not necessarily saying I really wanted to give all that money to Zach Allen. To me, that was probably an overpay, $15 million for a guy who's, you know, he's good, but I didn't think he was going to be pushing that kind of money. But at the same time, I look at it and go, 
would I, I, I kind of wish this team had done the void years, had kind of done the heavy backloading, had done some aggressive restructuring with a guy like Tyler Lockett and maybe said, you know what? We like him. Yeah, it's an overpay, but we like him. Let's bring him in. So I get what you're saying. I do think this is a little bit different, but I wish we had followed up the great Draymond Jones signing with a little bit more. Does this free agent period by your Seattle Seahawks and the way that they've spent their money so far indicate to you that they're truly trying to go for a Super Bowl next year in the way the teams have to do so and in, in sort of the cost of doing business to get to a Super Bowl in the modern era? I mean, I think that they are, but maybe they are hamstrung by something. And I think we're about to talk about that something a little bit. And it's a theory that you and me have batted around for a while now. Um, I, I think there is an attempt to, but they're a little hamstrung by the fact that they can't hand out massive guarantees like the Broncos are doing. They can't do a bunch of void years like pretty much every other team does because of the elephant in the room. I do think there is a different energy than typically in free agency, but as of right now, it feels like we didn't go all the way. I, I don't dislike the moves we made in isolation, except maybe the Jaron Reed deal. Maybe the Jaron Reed deal. It depends on the money. I need to see that contract before I judge it. But um, it feels like there's an effort there, but it's not being allowed to go as far as it needs to go. Yeah, I, I and I agree with you on this. Um, we will talk about this kind of theory in a second after we get through kind of all the uh, uh, signings because me and Brendan do have a theory on as to why they're doing these things. And it's the reason why I want to kind of poke at these very specific items being the, the numbers of years, the lack of bonus money you're seeing in this, it, it does lead to a certain train of thought on this, which I think does tend to add up, especially when you look at it over the last couple of years, indifference to what you saw over the majority of the time of Paul Allen as an owner here in Seattle. So uh, we'll cover that in a sec. We do have one more signing here to get to today, and this is the Drew Locke being brought back to back up Geno Smith. Uh He's being brought back on a one-year, $4 million deal with $3 million in incentives. Uh, me and Brendan looked it up. It appears that maybe this incentives might be happening into next year if he hits them rather than this year. Um, I had once looked it up where it said the incentives hit at the front year when I did my research on this. So it's I, 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 we'll go with that one either way. Um, it's a lot of money for me, regardless of four, seven and a half. Uh, you're essentially $3 million less than what you're paying for Gino on the cap this year, uh, theoretically on that one. But uh, let's get your read on this, Brendan. Where were you at with this uh, with this pick? I mean, uh, would you rather give Drew Lock one year four million or Baker Mayfield one year eight and a half million? <laughs> I'd rather go pick a quarterback in the draft if I'm going to spend I mean, top, you know if I'm going to spend yeah. top money on a quarterback on the front end. I don't double dip. I I then go back and cheap it out on the other side. And Seattle agrees with this principle because that's the same principle, but they've applied all the way through Russell Wilson's time here. Yeah, my thing is, I didn't like any of the low-end quarterbacks in the draft at all, except for DTR. That's kind of my hang-up there. I like DTR, but the other guys, like like Max Dugan, I don't get. Uh, Jake Hayner is like a, basically a Shanahan quarterback to me. I, I, I will say that. Um, I, I don't think it really matters that much. Like, Drew Locke probably won't play next year, right? Like... If all goes according to plan, Drew Locke won't play a snap next year, except in maybe garbage time, right? Mm -hmm. So on that level, yeah, you could have probably gone out and got Nathan Peterman for like a million. But, you know, with Drew Locke, I'll say this, it removes any consideration of us needing, like, the odds of us drafting a quarterback now are like less than 1%, right? Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. 100%. So that frees you up a little bit. And um, that's obviously going to help come draft time. And you have a guy in lock who you clearly like a decent amount, who does still have some potential. This is not like a, if we had signed Andy Dalton, which is like Andy Dalton has no potential beyond what he's shown. He is what he is at this point. So I do appreciate that. But my sense is that in all likelihood, Drew Locke won't play this year. And then he'll leave next year where wherever he can find the starting opportunity, like the genuine starting opportunity. And ultimately, this contract won't really matter that much. So I understand that it's not really exciting. It's not really appealing. But uh, I can't bring myself to hate it when Baker Mayfield's getting eight and a half million. Darnold got about that much. Gardner Minshew got like, what was it, three and a half or four million. This is about what the going rate is for a young, interesting and unproven backup quarterback. So it, it's whatever. Yeah, I, I just think from my standpoint, when you usually go to backup anyway, regardless of talking about Jay Kaner or DTR or any number of the quarterbacks that we could talk about out there, even in relevance to a Nathan Peterman or guys that have played in the league, at the end of the day, those guys are really not going to win you football games. Your best case scenario is that they maybe get you to a 500-like record until your starter can return. But really, even in that case of things, with the team that we have put together as it is put together, you know, we're not in the niner place that they were last year with Purdy where a guy comes off the bench and he's going to just so far because everything's just set up in front of him to just roll. And so I, I, I just, to me, it's, it, it's the way you have to kind of balance things a little bit cap wise. And when you start burying this many resources down to the, to the quarterback position, as far as mon monetary goes, and you had other holes, you know, your middle linebacker still wide open. You you've only really kind of net kept yourself in the same place as far as depth defensive line depth as it stands right now. It's uh boy, it's tough for me to see on that with it a little bit from my standpoint here, Brendan, because I think that you couldn't go for to afford to go with Baker or any other backup here. You need to go cheap. And again, the team was consistent with this. The team agrees with me on this because every year that Russell was here, did you go spend five the equivalent of a four million dollar with three million dollar incentives to a backup quarterback, or did you always go find the vet minimum guy out there? You had done it every single year. So what's what changes this year? with that dynamic and that in that way that they've done it to my, my standpoint of it, what, what's the big draw? Cause Drew's just so awesome. Well, but I think that I, I actually think that's unironically what it is. I think we really like Locke, and we're like, we'll spend a few million dollars to keep him around. Yeah. And that's what it is. And, and to me, I could be on board with that. Brendan, if you're talking about being a two-year deal, I have club control beyond this season, but when it's, he's going anyway next year, there's no threat of me franchise tagging him at that point. I'm not going to be able to afford to do that with Gino on the, on the deal as well. Or I guess I'm thinking I'll franchise him if I don't like Gino and what he did. And then I can pivot over to Drew Locke. It's all very messy to me. And it all doesn't it make a whole lick of sense to me in my, from my standpoint of, of what they're doing exactly there, in my opinion. But I, this is probably just place we we probably slightly disagree on with this one um, when it comes to this contract. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty far well down on this one from a variety of different reasons. There's so many other ways they could have gone. And again, so was it wrong in the way that they did it before with Russell when you're spending 30, 35 million a year and you went bet minimum on the other quarterback and you balanced that that way? You know, is it, does Gino show he's going to be that much more broken than Russell did? Because he played every game last year, right? Didn't miss a game. Yeah. I, I I don't get it, man. I'm struggling with this one. I'm struggling yeah. with this one, brother. I mean, to me, it just kind of depends on what happens next. Like, what if tomorrow we end up with Matthew Ioannidis and Greg Gaines? Like, I, I, it would take some financial wizard, wizardry to pull that off. But if you did, then it's like, okay, we still got the defensive lineman that we needed. So then I would be like, okay, whatever. Drew Locke's here for maybe a few million dollars too much, but whatever. Whereas if we don't, fill out the defensive line and linebacker core the way we need to, then it's a little bit different. 
yeah, we'll see what they do. Um, they're definitely running out of money, Brendan. Um, that's the thing with this on the side of it. And I guess this is a good spot to pivot to on this conversation, which is the last couple of years, like we're talking about, you give up these, you mentioned before, you one year, two year deals, it's going to eat up the cap very quickly um, in a given contract year. Even if you end up with, like we had a couple of years ago with 50 million, you hand out four or five, six contracts on the one, one year side, two year side, it, it goes fast. And uh, that indeed has been the case. This year right now, as these contracts are definitely eating up the good share of space, you've you've signed Phil Haynes, Jason Myers, Geno Smith, Jaron Reed, uh, Drew Locke now, the, the center Evan uh, Evan Hill Brown, whatever his name is, out of, uh, out of uh, the Lions. So it's definitely eating up. And uh, we did have a theory that we kind of were teasing here a little bit, Brendan, but the theory does kind of go uh, a bit like this with this, is that this seems to be another indication this offseason, like we've been tracking the last couple offseasons, that this team is indeed due to be sold in the near future. Uh, Brendan, can you give people a little bit of breakdown why this is where we kind of stand on this a little bit and our outlook on this by, based off of these moves? Well, the idea is that the current ownership group doesn't want to commit long-term money. Like, like they, they don't want to put money in, what's it called, escrow? Mm -hmm. They don't want to be putting money in escrow for like big bonuses and big guarantees. Because if they do that, that means they have to put that money away now. And the theory is they're not going to own the team in a few years. So therefore they don't want to be putting money down on players that will be on the team after the current ownership group sells. That's why you're seeing short-term deals that way they don't have money committed beyond the current period of ownership, which is uh, I think the earliest they can sell is 2024, like spring 2024. Spring. Yep. Yeah. So if that is indeed the case, then some of this stuff makes sense. That's why they're not doing void years. They don't want to stretch. They don't want to extend themselves too far when the ownership is like, we're going to be out of here in two years anyway. So they're doing what they can within these confines and they managed to do some things that are pretty good, but I wonder how many teams out there have zero void years in any contracts. Cause right now I believe we don't have a single solitary void year in any contract we've done. Mm -hmm. And we've done it before, by the way, we did it two years ago with, uh, uh, Gerald Everett, Ethan Posick and a couple other guys. So we've done it before. It's not like we don't know. It's not like, but remember there's, it up. there's a turn on that one. There, there's a whole, there's a whole twist to that whole situation. Cause you set the void years up, but then you left $12 million in cap space that year for the exact amount of void year money that you had in the next year contract really. So you, you rolled the money over into the next year's cap in order to sustain yeah. that where when teams check typically do void years, it's not to keep you're, you're opening the money to use it that year in the cap year, not to roll it then over yeah. into the next cap. I mean, I think we all kind of understand that the plan there was probably we're going to trade for somebody mid season. And then we couldn't find anybody to trade for. Like it, there was a plan there and it just blew up in our face, but I think we were planning on utilizing that at cap space and then it just didn't happen. But then, then they didn't really ever go back to doing it ever again, though. That's the thing yeah. with this as well. It's like last year you had $44 million of dead money. You could have used potentially, and I understand it was a rebuild year and everything else, but this year is not theoretically a rebuild year. And you could be putting a couple of those contract points in here as far as you stretch out. I mean, you know, we, we walked in this offseason $30 million. Niners walked out, walked in with like five. And who, you know, who's done the better signings, you know, maybe us by a bit, but like they're right there step for step with us. You would think we were both on like an even ground of cap space walking into this off season, which was not the case. Um, so it's, it, it's, and I'm not going to mean to harp on this too much, but it's just, it is, it's definitely, I think emblematic here, Brendan, that we are operating from a little bit of a disadvantage 
disadvantageous situation in the respect of us being able to utilize um, all of the guns that a lot of other teams are able to utilize to turn themselves into an elite squad. And it's, it's going to make it a little bit harder, I think, for Schneider and company to pull this off dealing with some of those constraints. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah. And by the way, uh, to, just so we understand exactly where we are, Jody Allen actually said in a statement, yes, I am going to have to sell the team. The only thing she pushed back on was I'm going to sell the team the moment I can. She said it could take a long time. Doesn't necessarily mean it well. She's just, she said something like, oh, it could take two decades for me to sell this team. But yeah. she did say it is in Paul Allen's will, I think it was, that I do eventually sell this team. Yeah, it's it's why I I get a little annoyed with these one two year contracts and how they spend this money, Brendan, because it feels like a little bit of a public relations trick to the fans. And it's one where you say, "See, we're spending all of our money, but we're not spending our money in the same way other NFL franchises out there that are trying to compete spend their money. We're going to spend our money in a way where it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors to you." And that's the part where I I, I get annoyed with a little bit because you know they can't she can't come out and say you know look money's tight we're going to sell the team soon can you imagine the blowback she would receive if she said that yeah. so it's understandable why she can't be honest about that I get that part but it doesn't take away from the frustration nonetheless that my team is going to have to go out there and try to compete with the likes of these teams like the Rams who are all in who their owner will sign checks for days who will who will do whatever it takes and you know meanwhile my team just got to kind of hopefully get lucky in their player development. Essentially, that's, what's going to have to happen here is we're going to have to essentially, you know, light the world on fire with our player development and hope that all these rookies and all these second year guys can turn this thing around to, to elite. Cause they're not going to be really utilizing the, 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 the pathway they have at their disposal, uh, really with this free agency and having the money to spend out there. And they've shown that now the last three years, not just this, this off season, but over the last couple of years, in my opinion, I get what you're hearing about what you're saying on the Jermont Jones signing, but it's, it's like you say with these signings, it ain't about the individual signing. It's about looking at the totality of the signings in free agency over the, over an off season. And they can go maybe do some more work, but there's not a lot of money left, Brendan, not a lot of money. Yeah. left. Yeah. So I'm looking at over the cap right now, by the way, and they say we have 19 million in cap space, not including Reed which is probably going to be like two and a half. So that takes you down to 16 and a half, let's say. Are they counting in, the rookies? No. Are they no the, gonna, the draft pick? Sorry. Not yet. Uh, and then Locke is 4 million. So that gets you down to 12 and a half. And then we don't, we have no idea about Evan, Evan Brown yet. But um, that means you're basically currently, as of right now, you are capped out because the rookies are going to cost you like 10 million. So the things you could do, you can restructure Lockett, which I would do all day. You can release Al Woods. You can release Brian Monet. Um, those are the ways, main ways you can create money. There are other things you can do. Like you could just slap void years into DK's contract. You yeah. could slap void years into Gino's contract. You could do anything to, that's the thing. You can do it to literally any contract. That's how you see things like the Buccaneers going from 60 million over to under the cap like that. They just like are like, okay, let's get really creative here. So there is a way to create cap space here, but will we actually utilize those ways? Because um I did you see the John Schneider interview this afternoon on the radio? I, I just I'm talking a little bit about the lock thing. I didn't see the rest of it though. Okay. Basically, he did say they're still looking to sign defensive linemen. He knows there's a need there. So he's aware of that. So it, we're still in on defensive linemen, is basically what he said. And he said there are so many decent, there are so many quality linebackers in free agency. They didn't feel the need to get involved in any bidding wars with the guys who were going to go the first few days. So they were content to like sit back and wait. 
which I think is actually a pretty intelligent th way to look at this because there, I did notice that when I was looking at free agency, there were a ton of linebackers who were, you know, there were a couple guys who were clearly the cream of the crop, like Tremaine Edmonds, uh, Pratt, who, by the way, signed for an absolute steal in Cincinnati. Um, there were a couple guys who were like top of the market, but there were a ton of guys in free agency who were just like, oh, that guy would be pretty good. That guy would be okay. That guy would be workable. So I think they're waiting to see which ones end up being going for less, which I don't really have a problem with because after you get past Bobby Wagner and Denzel Perryman, I think a lot of these guys kind of blend together in terms of the quality of play they offer. Are the guys that are available left absent those names you just mentioned going to upgrade the position from what it was last year with either Jordan Brooks or Cody Barton? Well, let me see here. I think probably so. I think probably so. I was looking at some PFF metrics last night. Like Jordan Brooks is legitimately the worst cover linebacker in the league by every passing metric I could find. And then Cody Barton's run defense metrics were atrocious too. He was like, I think his average depth of tackle was by far the worst in the league of any linebacker. Now those guys did bring some strengths to the table, but I do think that even a guy like Corey Littleton, as much as he's not great anymore, would be a little better than those guys. Uh, maybe Quan Alexander would even be better than those guys. So it depends. Like Drew Tranquil gets hurt a lot, but I do think he's good. It depends on your perspective on Drew Tranquil. But um, I, I think that's at least a defensible position. And by the way, for whatever it's worth, not that I have anything to back this up, I don't know who else is bidding on Wagner right now. It seems like there's not much of a market for him anymore. Every team that was considering getting him picked up somebody that kind of took them out of the race. Like the Cowboys were thinking of getting him. Then they re-upped Vander Esch. The mm -hmm. Chargers were thinking of getting him, and they picked up uh, Kendricks, right? Yeah, Kendricks. Mm -hmm. So I would not be surprised if we signed Wagner in a few weeks because there's no other team that's really bidding for him. We'll see. But I'm not getting the sense there's that many teams in on him at the moment. No, uh, you would think it's a, it has been a little bit reduced. Um, so we had that one report coming out about the Bills and Raiders got shot down, which was good to hear. Um, but maybe they can get him plucked out. Um, as you said, once you get past Perryman and Wagner, it is definitely uh, guys that all kind of uh, meld together as far as the same type of player they are and uh, what they are at that point from my standpoint. Uh, All Pro Seahawks, thank you for the $2 donation. I appreciate it. It says, Reed won't start. Going to be a rookie with a high pick. Uh, hopefully so. Hopefully so. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a reasonable bet. Um, Okay. I, I guess we got to talk about another elephant in the room. We've got a lot of elephants in the room right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to talk about Jalen Carter because this is another area I think you and me might disagree a little bit here. So mm -hmm. where are you right now with the Jalen Carter saga? Um, probably in a pretty, uh, I'm, I'm pretty on replace today overall, Brendan, I think in every different route. Um, I, I've been a very appreciative of people's standpoint on Jalen Carter. And, um, I, I get people have very strong opinions when it comes to Carter. I, I, I get a little disappointed when I see people that don't have all of the information regarding stuff and they have basically subtle little shades of the full truth, just a little here and a little there and a little there. And then they make ultimate determinant judgments on the situation. Um, I've referenced this back to when I look at film on a player, I'm looking at the film on the player. I know exactly what I'm looking at. I, 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 I can see the same film as anybody else. In regards to the situation with Jalen Carter, when you measure up the fan base or guys like us that are pundits talking about Jalen Carter and saying, well, we're out on Jalen Carter. Nope, he's a character concern. I can't do it. I, 
I laugh a little bit because none of us operate, but with maybe about two or 3% of the full data that John Schneider is going to have at his disposal. And to make this kind of determination on a player, when you don't have that data or that information to me, it, it not only to me, doesn't make a lot of sense. First off, I know that we're all looking to get a take and have a take and say what we want, but it, but it also, for me, standpoint looks as you could be thought throwing away a really great player operating off that two or 3% of the information at hand. And I'm not willing to do that personally. Where I land on this is that I will trust in John Schneider with the 100% of that total data, with the private investigators, with the contacts of Georgia, with the contacts of the scouts to the coaches, with all of that down the line. I'm going to trust in him with all of that information and data to make the right decision, especially coming on the heels of Malik McDowell. But watching people that have sudden that I, and not you're in this respect, so Brendan, please don't feel this, but there's other folks out there that I've watched with this that have like an itchy trigger finger on this thing with Carter and have from the jump on this. And I don't really, I, I, I don't really like it. I, it just, it's never felt right to me in this whole situation. I get it. People have those feelings, have those feelings with it. But when I come back to that in the bottom line of, of we're like looking at TMZ and going, oh, that guy's just a horrible guy. Like they're not operating off that. They're operating off of so much more information. So let's trust in them. You know, because now are those people that were out on Carter, if you're out on Carter, if you're saying I'm gone on Carter, does that mean now on draft game Schneider picks him? You're going to throw you're going to throw a fit on it or you're going to get angry because you had made that determination when you didn't have that same kind of information he had to work off of. What do you think? though? Okay. So yesterday I was completely out on Carter after that pro day. I mean, it was just so viscerally bad. It was so visceral that I was just like, oh. Uh, like, like, did you see the clips? I, yeah, yeah, no, I, I did. I saw it all, yeah. but, but I mean, the guy just got arrested two weeks ago at his world thrown upside down on the day of the combine that's announced. He's got arrest warrants out. His world's turned upside down. Everyone's saying he's a problem child. Everybody's saying he's a head case for two weeks. I'm not trying to explain away the kid, but it's a 21 year old kid. We're talking about here. This isn't a 40 yeah. year old grown man. You know, it's, it's a 21 year old kid. And yeah, it's, I know it's a, that's technically an adult, but I don't know if anybody's talked to a lot of 21-year-old kids. Like they're still closer to being a kid than they are to being a real grown man. And and the fact that he's had this two weeks period, Brendan, I'm sorry to cut you off, but that he's had this two-week period where, you know, he's maybe not been training 100% because all of this stuff is going on, like legal stuff and all that. Mm-hmm. I get it. The, here's the thing with me on the combine, Brendan. Did you need to see something from him at the combine or in pro day that you didn't see on tape with him? I mean, probably not, but at the same time, it was like, it wasn't just, he wasn't good. He was like, he ran a 10 yard sprint and looked like he was good and and basically keeled over. It was, he looked like he was like, he looked like he was drunk sometimes. It was a bad look. In hindsight, he should have just said, I'm not doing anything like, right. Like he should have just said, I'm not going to do anything. That would have been better than what he did. Um, I will say this morning freed up a lot of my concerns. You know, it said he didn't flee the scene of the crime. He didn't leave until he was told he could leave. He called 911. He didn't cause the accident. Like there were a lot of concerns alleviated this morning. I'll say that. I'll say that. That's And that's part of why I say with that information thing, Brendan, that's why I say like, you you know, these guys that are going to do the background checks on this guy on the scene in Georgia are going to pull this stuff apart. They're going to spend so much money on making sure because this kid is a fifth overall pick that the background does check up and it does align. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, maybe you're a little softer on that other direction. And yet it is a visceral thing. And it's, and you know, you don't see pro days like that, but 
there are those players that you get to watch tape on, in my opinion. I, I understand if you're not in this place that I, I arrive at that I go, I don't really need to go see this guy in underwear running three cones to know what he is on the football field. It's not a lot of players. It's not. There are very few players that's actually in a given draft that are that way. He's one of those few players. Will Anderson would be one of those players in this draft where it's like, I don't need to see him running a four, six, 40 con. I know what he is. I know what he's going to be. Um, there are those guys that are just so startlingly good that there's not a question in your mind when you look at him and go, well, I mean, he, he seems like he's missing a little quickness. Let me get a little three cone there to see if the quickness is real. It's there, you know? So it was bad, Brendan, and this has been a horrible off season for him, but in everything we're making on evaluation front on Jalen Carter, the, those folks that are out there, they're making on everything that has nothing to do with the actual tape and what he's done on the football field. And it's all everything else out here. And it's all gone away from this. And it's what's the most important thing, you know, at the end of the day. And I know it's a risk taking him at that point, everything else. But as I've said in the past on this, Brendan, we've had a first round pick in our history in the Seattle Seahawks that we took who had a clean record, clean offseason track record, clean this, clean that. Good guy, upstanding guy. Took him 26 overall in the first round. Done in training camp, neck injury. You took a guy in, in Rashad Penny with the cleanest medical history, blah, 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 right? First coming out, cleanest medical history they've ever seen. First round, been injured his whole time throughout Seattle. There's stuff that takes guys off the field for a variety of different reasons, in my opinion. And there is going to be a risk associated with Carter, no doubt about it. And I'll trust in Schneider's opinion. I'll say that too, Brendan. I'm still on favor of doing it. But if, if Carter Schneider comes out and says, nope, tip of the iceberg, he's a, it's a hell hole down there. You don't want to get into it. I'm good with it. But I'm going to trust in that. I will. Yeah. I, I think as fans, we just kind of have to. Like, there's no way we're going to know even 10% as much as what he's going to know by the time he makes the decision, right? It's true. But you also know that there's going to be a tremendous amount of hand-wringing in the Seahawks fan base, um, even in your chat and my chat both, when it comes to draft day and people talking about him and they're going to be losing their mind about the risk they're involved with it. And and that's the part where I go, you know, I, I'm not going to get to that stage on this with it. I'm going to trust in what Schneider's done in his background on this. I, I, I just feel like he's going to be on his toes on this one. They're going to put the investment in to make sure they're right on this one. And whichever way they go, we should trust in it as fans on this one. I wouldn't say that with every choice. I'm certainly not saying that about how they're spending their money this offseason in free agency. But I would apply it in this given situation, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's what can be said. But um, are you, you know, so is... are you out on him right now? Or are you in a kind of are you in the place where I am with it? I'm not out, but I'm, I'm kind of like Wayne, like, OK, if he's there at number five, do I want to trade down or do I want to take him? I'm kind of leaning trade down. Like you could get somebody who's more of a sure thing. Like you could trade down with the Titans and maybe get Jeffrey Simmons in the deal. Somebody who you already know is a really good interior lineman who you know is not coming with all these huge question marks. You could trade down and get somebody like, uh, I don't know if he would fit, but like, you know, a lot of people are saying Cansey. You know, you could trade down to like nine or 10 and get Cansey. I think that would get a lot of people excited. You could trade down even more and get someone like Brissy and pick up extra players as well. I'm starting to like that a little more than Carter, but we've got more than a month between now and the draft. We'll figure out by then, I think. What do you, th how, what do you think about Carter with the Eagles at 10? He's not going to get past the Bears. Maybe. The Bears, like, they have a brand new GM. They can afford to take some risks here, I think. I agree. I, I don't think he's getting on the top 10. I do with you that. But, boy, if the Eagles were able to snag him because the Bears decided to go somewhere else, they go for a lineman instead to, you know – Whew, that Eagle defensive line flopped out of Hargrave for, for Jalen Carter. That's, that's going to yeah. be rough. That's going to um, be rough. How, real quick, one more thing on Carter. How do you feel about him in a 3-4? Do you think he'll be fine? Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Yeah, I do. Some I do. people yes. have that concern. The three, four is oftentimes the, the two gapping is a lot of what you're doing in a three, four. A lot of the times that's historically in, in three, four, you've done hold your, hold the ground. Right. And then you've got your either shoulder you're responsible for. We do the gap and a half, which is more of you're shooting a gap, you're attack moding. So you're really then taking advantage of him now as an aggressive player, rather than having him play passively at the line of scrimmage, as you would tend to have those three, four linemen, because they're just taking up blockers. They're protecting their linebackers on the back end, bop, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that attack ability, that's the same reason I think Cansey works because Cansey and, and don't, I mean, Cansey and Draymond Jones, there's yeah, like an inch or two difference maybe between those two guys. At the end of the day, they weigh about the same. He rocks out there at about 280. He's out there about 280. He's not a 295 guy, uh, Draymond. So, I, I mean, I think both of those two guys work because you're attacking uh, is your and, three and four. I, uh, one more thing. If Anderson and Carter are both there, there at five, I want Anderson. I'll say that much too. I think Anderson's a better player. See, I'm, this is where I completely understand that. That that part I get. I, the part I don't get is that I'm out on this guy completely. But the part of coming down to, I've got Will Anderson, whose character is flawless, and Saban has called him, you know, the great, the great, you know, wonder of the program. Kind of like he's gotten that stamp of approval. He's a leader of men. He's that, that, that. Like you've got all of this that's at the forefront of Anderson. You've got the production there that backs it up. I can completely understand going instead for the Anderson direction than Carter. That completely makes sense to me on that, on that side of it. Um, I just can't get to the point of I'm out on Carter. I'm out on Carter completely. That's the part that I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, huh? Like if Schneider, like you're out or like trust in Schneider that he'll do his work. And if he, if he signs off it, then you'd be, should be in because that'd be tremendous value to get that at five. If that does check out um, to whatever degree, you know, it does check out, but I understand Anderson's, He's got, he's legit coming in this draft and him and Carter for me, neck and neck as far as talent range anyway. So, yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's sort of a pick your poison on that one with both those two guys. Are they your one, two in this draft from a, from a, um, I know you've started to look a little bit of the tape, but are they your um, one, two as far as. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, my number one QB is Stroud right now. So I'm thinking about Stroud versus those guys. I would rather have those guys and I really yeah. like Stroud, but yeah. I'm same way. I'm I'm a little bit just just pack for pack. That's the way I would go with it as well. Um, so uh, we got a little another donation here. Let me get a couple of these. I'm probably behind here. Connor, thank you for the two dollar donation. Says, are you a fan of Gervon Dexter? You had a chance to check out Gervon Dexter yet? Yeah, he actually really stood out to me. I watched the uh, Kentucky Florida game way back in week two, and I think it was like early September. He made a lot of plays in that game that caught my attention, but he didn't test very well. Unfortunately, he he just he is kind of what we were afraid of. He's very slow off the ball. It's like LJ Collier, like almost. I think he's better than that, but um, I don't know. He's like 312 pounds. Maybe he ends up being more of a run stuffer in the NFL, but I don't think he's going to be much of a pass uh, rusher. That's his forte. Is he supposed to be a guy that that's at the front of it? Because as a as a run stuffer, he gets pushed off the ball on the tape. I watched a, a decent amount. Um, that first step quickness, Connor, like Brendan just mentioned, is is really the fatal flaw in this kid. He's got some stuff he does. He'll flash at times on tape for you, but you will notice over and over again, especially as you look at it, it's one of those things like that. When you look at it, you can't miss it, and that is watch him off of the snap as he is just so glacial slow coming off the line of scrimmage. And it, it, it inhibits everything else post play with him because now the, the offensive line's got his hands on him first. If there's a double team, the double team's already arrived at him just by the time he's just getting out of his stance. And it puts him in a place of constantly recovery mode. Even when he's getting his pressures, even when he's getting his sacks, it's coming off initially recovering from what he's doing at the snap. 
And so uh, I'm not a, just not quite big on Gervon right now, Connor. I'm not sure what, like Brendan said, well, hopefully if he can't run, maybe he can or can't do the pass rush and give you some run defense, but that's not really his strength either. He's in a weird place right now. I do think he's a better player, better prospect than LJ Collier. I do. But I think you're right to mention that same kind of thing you saw with LJ with the slow first step quickness is also there with him. Appreciate you, Connor. Thank you for the donation. Brady, uh, thank you for the $2 donation. It says, are we keeping quarterback supply low on purpose? High demand? Well, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Maybe to, to drop the, the market up a little bit more for the number five, Brendan? Well, um, I guess it depends on your perspective. Like, I am starting to think, I am starting to think that Arizona trades down and the draft goes QB, 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 QB. I think the odds of that went down a little bit when the Raiders signed Garoppolo but I do think it is still on the table. So it would not amaze me if um, it went QB, 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 and our trade down value went down. But on the other hand, we'd have Anderson and Carter right there. We could take whichever one we like better. Like that would be, I, I would definitely take that scenario over the scenario of trading down with a QB hungry team. Yeah, I would too. That would, that, to me, that's, as me and Brendan just talked about, these are our two guys that are the best guys in the draft. With your Carter Anderson, hey, you get to land at five with the two best guys that, not just me and Brendan on this, by the way, I think this would be pretty universal throughout the NFL if you went into any uh, war rooms and asked them, who are your two two best players in this draft, just regardless of position, regardless of side of the ball, who's your two best players? I think that you unanimously would hear from NFL, NFL evaluators that it would be Anderson and Carter in different maybe places where they would have them ranked. So having our choice, the pick of the litter, as we say on this, then that'd be fantastic. Um, but I certainly think, Brady, that they've they've set themselves up also to where if there's a team that's quarterback hungry and Arizona does happen to bite on Anderson or one of those four teams at the top does bite on him at that point, they're going to be ready to strike. Um, and it's certainly moving off, moving lock off the boards. You know, the quarterback market now is very thin, Brennan, isn't it? I mean, it's, you've all, all of the guys are off, aren't they? With Mayfield off now, lock off. Um, um, well, somebody might trade for Lamar, I guess, but that, you know, takes them away from one team and puts them on another. He's being linked somewhat here with the Colts softly, not hard yet, but just stop. God, I don't, man, do I not buy that? I do not buy that at all. I think he's going to Washington, honestly. I know they signed Brissett, but it's a pretty mediocre deal. It's not anything over the top. It wouldn't stop you from doing the other if you did. Yeah. You know? um, let's see here. Carson Wentz still available. Matt Ryan. Uh, Mariota Bridgewater. Yeah, it's pretty dry out there now, man. It's pretty, pretty dry. Dr pretty dry. Yeah, there's a couple guys, but it's not It's not a lot. So uh, one of these teams are going to have to trade up. Weird thing with the Washington deal, Brendan, is – Snyder's having to sell the team. Yeah. We kind of, it's like Jody, right? Like you see the Jody's things or cause that with Lamar, not only do you have to come up with the escrow money, you got to come up with the whole money of the contract. That's like, they're going to be 250 million. He's going to want. Well, apparently he doesn't know how to read an NFL contract, which is, uh, you know, you, you, I, I mean, did you see the Schefter thing? Mm -mm. No, apparently like it was reported that, uh, Lamar turned down a contract that was like six years, a hundred, 290 million. And then Lamar tweeted out, no, you guys got it wrong. It was three years, 133 million. And then Adam Schefter was like, no, I saw the contract. It was definitely six years, 290 million. So the implication being that Lamar doesn't know how to read the contract because he doesn't have an agent. 
it's uh, it's with him and no agent mom being an agent the whole thing has been a, just a crap show for him on this and everything's been signed pointing to just get yourself an agent man get the it's a tough contract to get done with quarterbacks you just get somebody in there to get this done um it's i don't know how i can look at this at point and not see how this is holding him out and costing him money at this point it's but if you can't read a contract i mean yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. well i mean look if baltimore is really willing to give him almost 300 million dollars he's still doing totally fine like I thought he would have really hurt himself when he turned down 250 last year, but if he really is getting offered 290 now, he's fine. You know, it's good money. I definitely would like to see where they're willing to go on the guaranteed side of it. That's to me the key on that deal is how high you get 120, 150. You can go 200 guaranteed. Like how far will you go with him on that? Um, that's the part that would be interesting to me because I know that's their hesitancy. They want that flexibility to get out from under that deal if it does go wrong for them. You know, if he gets two torn ACLs or whatnot. Right. Kevin Mullen, uh, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you on that. He says, lock resigned. There's no way we aren't cutting, restructuring Jamal Adams, Quandary Diggs, Tyler Lockett, Uchenna Nuosu. Keep an eye on Fant trade at draft day. I think he brings up a good point, Brendan. We do have some flexibility left within this because we've not done the void year thing so far. We've not done any of the burying money thing so far. So that is still a, what you want to call it, like a, an advantage that we could use if we wanted to use it. Right. There definitely is. Although there are a couple things uh, in this uh, comment. Uh, you can't cut Quandre Diggs. Most of his money has been guaranteed now. There was mm-hmm. the opportunity to release him was within five days after the Super Bowl. After that point, most of his money becomes guaranteed and you lose money cutting him. You could trade him, but that's the only thing you could do. Uh, Jamal Adams also had a small amount of his money vest, although you could still release him as a post-June 1st designation. A lot of people think that um, we're gonna. there's apparently going to be some physical in three weeks with him and we're going to make a decision at that point whether or not we're going to keep him. I still think we're going to keep him, but that is kind of seemingly the cutoff point for the decision. Well, I'll tell you, when he was first getting on that treadmill, like uh, even not at first, even like the end of the season, like January, Brendan, I saw him on a treadmill. I was like, boy, he was, it was not, that leg was not looking good at that time. And I watched, he would look like a little bit better recently, but it still doesn't look like he's, if he's got to pass a physical man, it's, it, it, it's no, it doesn't look bueno right now where I last looked and saw where he was at. So, We'll see on on digs. Uh, what, what was uh, to give him, if you can, Brendan? What's the breakdown on if you do the June first? How does the cap hit breakdown go again on that one? Uh, for who, Jamal or Jamal? Uh, let me take a look here. Let me make sure I get it right here. But I believe you end up saving something like eleven million. Okay, post June first release, you save eight and a half. Okay. Dead cap hit of nine point seven. Twenty twenty four dead cap hit of fourteen point two. Yeah, he, hopefully he passed that physical. <laughs> I say that it'd be nice to have the money freed up, but boy, that's gonna hurt on two years of cap. That'll definitely be some pain, some 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 built-in pain there, Brendan. Definitely. But Kevin, yeah, they're gonna do. They can do some more stuff if they want. We'll see what kind of moves they're willing to do on that side. But the flexibility does remain for them to make a move if if yeah. they indeed want to try to take a swing. Yeah, let's just extend Nwosu. By the way, he's good. He's he was really good. Like we're not gonna regret that. I don't think. Well, I'm down for extending him, but if you extend him, I think you the problem there is that he, what's he going to want? I mean, is he going to want to take less than Hassan Reddick's making out there at 17 million per? Uh, I think Reddick's Reddick is 15 million per. 
So we're at 15. So, you know, if he goes and he wants a 15, 16 million per deal and you go and we're not giving out four year deal, Brendan. So it's a three year deal. Let's say 16 million per, um, that's going to be 46 million. Let's say you're going to do probably a $20 million bonus on that, split that off the three section. That means that seven, seven point something million of his cap this year is, or just seven, a little under seven would be on bonus alone, but then his base put in. I don't know if there'll be a tremendous amount of savings on that. Even it would if you be like on. five million. It would be like five million based off your uh, what you estimated there, about five. That's and you. It's can only save three it. years though. But if it's twenty million, twenty million off a of three year, if it's twenty million bonus, then it'd be six point seven. Right. So yeah, I mean it's it's word it's haggling. It's semantics. Yeah, I mean right. his cap hit right now is thirteen million. So okay. But see, so what you got, but you got the 2 million. So if it's 6.7 and you have a 2 million base, then that gets it to nine, that gets it to uh, seven, seven, $8.7 million less than 13. So yeah, even at that point, you're right. You could save at least 5 million, 4 million approximately. Right. You could save on an extension there. But then I think you're going to have to decide, probably do something with Taylor at some point at that point, unless you're looking at Lebanon walk down the road. Maybe. I'm not against that, by the way. I mean, he's a decent player, but. I'd love to move him for a second round pick in this draft. I really if would. If you think you could, a second round pick, if you can do that, that's, yeah. Wow. I mean, it might be a bit much, but a late second round pick is what I'm thinking. And you you send him to a, you know, a contender that needs a pass rusher that they can bring in as a rotational guy that they know they, they're not going to have to wait on in their development standpoint of things. Um, and you might not be able to get in this draft, especially because it's kind of a deeper draft for edges. And that doesn't always allow you to make those kind of moves as opposed to being like, quarter, you know, edge hungry in a draft where there's nobody, then maybe you can make the move on that, but we'll see what they do with Taylor. I think they're going to have to make a decision on him with something here. Um, soon, soon. Thank you for the $2 donation says going on record. I think we take a top four quarterback. I think there's like a 0.1% chance. Like we're not carrying three quarterbacks. Most teams don't do that. And have we, when was the last time we carried three quarterbacks on the roster? Never. I, uh, when maybe when Wilson was here, Maybe originally with Flynn Jackson and him in that year, maybe. Or you know, no, you released Flynn that year, so you released him even after you signed the contracts. Even there, you were just with Jackson. I can't think of you. Maybe have gone a game or two here and there with three guys on the roster on the active roster at once. But it's like four tight ends, Brendan. You know, it's like with the Darnell Washington talk. It's like you have to offload Fant before you can bring on the other one. And I somebody mentioned this to me too, Brendan. Can you back me up on this one? Seahawks signed Drew Lock today. But they do so to provide themselves. This is what I've been told on a couple of things. I don't know if you've heard this one from any of your chat. Uh, they signed Drew Locke today. They, we go into the draft, but we have our insurance for a backup quarterback if we can't land our quarterback. But then we took Anthony Richardson. Then we would just release Drew Locke, but we wouldn't be on the hook for any of his money. Well, that implies there are zero guarantees in a $4 million contract. I doubt that's the case. Right. right. Well, but, but even if there was, let's say there's a million, they threw him as a bonus. And they're like, well, we're going to save cumulatively we'll save three, you know, 3 million off this by moving off than the 4 million cap. I, I don't think they would do it. I, yeah. I think that's such a cold blooded ruthlessness to, to drew on this a little bit where now you're going to release drew onto the market, which the team usually does good by these players. You release drew now at that point of the market post draft, nobody's got any money to spend on him. Nobody needs a backup quarterback. It, it's, is it, is it possible they do it? I guess it's possible, but it doesn't seem like a move Schneider or Carroll would really yeah, I mean, if this was a court of law and I had to answer, like, is it possible? Then, yeah, I'd have to say it is possible, but yeah. I doubt it. 
I, I genuinely think the team likes Locke. I think the team likes Drew Locke. I, I agree. I do think they as well. I don't think they make this move otherwise of a, as a commitment to him first and foremost, but I have heard soon, soon from a couple of folks mentioning that possibility here, but it's the quarterback has been removed at this point. So it doesn't mean that we yeah. can't move back for a team that's quarterback hungry, but it does mean that uh, Seahawks are not planning on taking one in this draft. I agree. Uh, Max Sherman, uh, thank you for the $5 donation. Says anybody on defensive line or linebacker that we could trade out of the 20th pick. I think he means a veteran we could trade our 20th pick for, I'm guessing. Yep. Uh, Brendan mentioned one. I think there's two main defensive linemen that stand out as a possibility at 20. Brendan, right? Jefferson yeah. and uh, um, Forrest Buckner, depending on yeah. the availability. I'm wondering if Buckner could be had for the 37th pick. I'd love that if we could. That's. I was thinking the same thing. I was wondering yeah. if maybe it's a matter of his value at this point is at that spot versus a couple of years ago. Yeah, because there's zero dead cap if the Colts release him. So I'm wondering how that affects things. Like they could end up just releasing him and other teams are going to know that. I wonder if that changes the value of him at all. He's also a little bit older than somebody like a Jeffrey Simmons. And um, it looks like it's going to be a slightly better draft than I anticipated. Like this edge crop being as good as it is has made me like this draft a little bit more. Yeah, me too. Um, and it's definitely a strength of this draft, no doubt about it. I think something could be interesting here, Brendan, is we're seeing them free up cap in other places, being the Colts, is if they were if they do look to make the move for Lamar, that could then come step for step with a Buckner move in order to need to free that money up immediately at that point. Oh, and uh, one thing, I see a few people in the comments talking about could we get a quarterback in the top four or top five and redshirt him. You cannot do that in the NFL. If you try to put him on the practice squad, another team will take him. You cannot yeah. just say we're shoving him on the practice squad and there's nothing he can do. That's not no. how it works. Nope. He's got to be active. He's got to be active roster folks on that when you bring him here. And if that's active roster, that means that's one less position that you can have on. And we've got, we saw this a couple times this last year, Brendan, isn't there's times with the restriction of the roster space. It's why you can't have the four tight ends on the active roster. Like everything has got to be balanced in a way because you need the depth to call upon when there's injuries that happen at the other positions. So you can't afford to stack three quarterbacks on, on one roster at one time because it's going to take one less middle linebacker or one less defensive lineman off the board that you can use as part of the rotation. It just uh, it just doesn't allow it to, to go go down that, that range. Right. Fortunately, I wish the NFL, the NFL would. The NFL should. I wish they'd expand the rosters. It'd be great if they did. It'd be better for the product if they did. But they're they're not willing. Correct. Kind of surprised too, Brendan. Even with the 17th game season, they weren't willing to do that. Right, and uh, I can't think of a linebacker I want to trade for with the uh, 20th pick. Yeah, there's nobody out there, Max, that I would have I would have moved for the 20. Not a especially not a middle linebacker, which is what we're really talking here. There's not anybody in the sport really absent. Maybe like a Fred Warner that you would even him. I don't you know. I guess maybe uh, you would for, on somebody like that. But that's there aren't a lot of those guys out there that are that are that good, that are worth going that high with. So, And if they were going to do that with middle linebacker, they just would have spent the money on one of these guys in free agency. Mm -hmm. I think right. they're really looking to take that road. Mm -hmm. Oh, one more defensive lineman real quick. What about one of the Washington guys that they now can't pay because they paid pain? Washington's going to have to do something here, Brendan. They've got all these guys kind of coming up for at one time for the contract. Sweat, Chase Young, and Jonathan Allen. So they're all kind of going to be coming up right along the same time period as far as being about due to be paid. And now you've already chosen to pay Deron Payne out the, out the gate with this one. So 
a decision could be coming down from one of those three guys, not necessarily Allen on this, Brendan. It could be, you know, one of Sweat or or Chase Young, too, on the other side of it. But I do think you're right. It's likely it's probably Allen because you paid the one defensive one defensive tackle. But Ron Rivera also has always, even throughout Carolina, on his defenses, and he's a I think he's that old Bears guy, right? Like he was an old Bears defensive lineman. So he comes right. from that buddy Ryan, you know, stack up that defensive line thing. Remember with Carolina for years, they went to first round picks and second round picks, and they just kept stacking it up and putting the resources. And that's where I think he goes to his general manager and says, I want that to be the built up part of my defense, you know, and especially he's got the Niners that he can point back to and we're, let's be like them, you know, let's do it how they're doing it or the Eagles, how they're yeah. doing it um, in that yeah, division. But you can't spend $400 million on defensive linemen. You would think not. Maybe he'll be the first coach to show you, oh, to watch me <laughs> hold my beer, Brendan, is what he says to that. Yeah, Sam Howell's going to be their quarterback um, for uh, the most ex- world's most expensive defensive line. That's the one that doesn't add up on their offseason, does it? The the we're going with Sam Howell, you know. Yeah. It's, it's well, I guess Jacoby Brissett, right? But what's the difference? yeah? But I mean, even yeah, what's the difference? It's like they they're they're in a weird point in their team and the where they're looking at because, and that's the team that to me is trade trading up. I've long thought this is the team that should be trading up, offering everything to come up there and go at that point, um, because of that. So, you know, I, I, they seem to be a team, not with a pro with a plan at quarterback position, but, or they're lurking there. Like you said, Lamar makes a lot of sense for them for their desperation as much as anything else. Right. Cause they don't have that clear pathway to the next one. I agree. Um, Greg, uh, full Wilder. Thank you for the $5 donation. He's dressing a little bit. Of what we're just talking about here. He says, does signing both of our quarterbacks mean we aren't drafting one? I don't feel like we are going to carry three quarterbacks on our roster. So, yeah, we were just just literally talking about this one, Grant, and you are uh, on the money with this one. Me and me and Brennan very much agree. It just doesn't make sense doing the we're going to have a quarterback on the roster, and you're not going to pull the rug out from under Drew Locke yeah. on this contract after the draft. I, just I mean, if we it. do get a quarterback in the draft, it's going to be somebody like DTR, somebody who actually could get put on the practice squad. Like, And mm-hmm. he might be a UDFA. A lot of people think DTR is going to go undrafted. I don't know if he is. But you could do what you did with Derek Young, where you spend like a seventh round pick on him and then start him on the practice squad, hope no one scoops him, and then if nobody does, you're good. Exactly. That could happen. I, I I could see it going that way. And same thing with applied to a Jay Kane or Clayton Toon, Stenson, Bennett, any of these other late round guys probably would stay on the practice squad for the full time. So that is a pathway they could go with the grant. But yeah, no, no three active guys, and you're not going to be drafting Anthony Richardson at this point or Will Levis or any of the quarterbacks of this draft. 100% yeah. on that. Thank you, Grant. Appreciate the dono. Uh, Benson DeWalt with the $2 donation says, we need a kick and a punt returner. Who should we draft? I think we're okay still a kick returner. Your point on this, we're going to ooga boogie 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 boogie. It's coming back, right? Pretty good chance of that, yeah. So I I, I think we're going to be okay at the end of the day, Benson, with kick returner. Um, yeah, and also I want to say DJ Dallas was low-key not bad at kick returning if we lost no. Goodwin. No, he's okay. He's functional. The the other the good one was just so good at it. He was so he gave you a plus plus level right. of play at it that you really um you really loved it. Um who should we draft for a punt returner? Uh, boy, not a lot of the receivers in this draft are really punt return guys. Uh, I'll Jayden say that. Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed can do it. But I didn't like his combine that much, so I kind of am out. Don't we just tell Dwayne Eskridge this is your job from now on if we're really going to keep him on the roster? 
I've long said if Dwayne was in, had any sort of smarts with this one, he would just learn to master punt returning right now because that would at least give him a role on this team if he's struggling with some of the receiver-like duties. He should be Brendan, the guy to be doing this. Um, but I, they haven't put him in that position yet to really do it. And so you're you're right now looking at Tyler Lockett, DJ Dallas, as you're kind of two returners with it. Um, I think that, to me, it's less important for the punt returner game, Brennan, see if you agree with this, that I think the punt return aspect has been so reduced because of how good teams cover the units down there now, and then also because how good punters have become and their ability to really, really kind of make it hard on those punt return units. It's more about just finding a guy who's sure-handed to me as much as anything else and who's not going to be like DJ Dallas. Remember what he'd do is – he could never get the the length right. I remember early in the season. So he'd either line up too deep and then the ball would bounce in front of him and he didn't come up to catch it and then would roll back. Or then he would go too shallow and then he couldn't get back to it at depth. And he could the punters were always kind of messing with DJ a little bit when he was running the, the punt return unit a little bit. Do you remember that, Brendan? Just a little yeah, bit I do. I do. He just he just it's uh he couldn't quite track it. Yeah, I mean there I, I wouldn't expect him to be able to handle both roles, but uh yeah, we, we were last in the league last year in punt return yards. I looked this up. We were last in the league. So you can't tell me that doesn't mean something. No, it definitely needs to be improved. It was a negative on your team at times last year. And we have some, I think we had some fumbles too out of it. So I know Tyler had like one or two also. Um, one where the guy was thrown into him and another time we just had a fumble. So, right. you know, you need to, you definitely could stand to um, uh, deal with that. Um, so punt returns is something we need to look at Benson. There's no clear guys though, necessarily in free agency right now, as it stands or in the draft, I haven't seen any real dynamite punt returners quite yet. Hmm. Maybe, maybe there's a guy out there like a Tajay Spears or something running back who can kind of do it for you. But right now it's a little bit, it's a little about the Deuce Vaughn guy, the Darren Sproles clone. He'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great, um, uh, that's a great one. He is five, six, Brennan. So he is. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't Darren Sproles like five, yeah. six and a half? He was. That's why. That's why I make the comp because they're both, and not just because they're size, Brendan, but because they have that. That it's that mouse quickness. You know what I mean? Like how a mouse can just have that insane kind of quickness for its size. Yeah. But it's it's that same kind of thing where you're just like, man, he gets up to speed so fast. But yeah, he could probably do it, and I would love mm-hmm. to get Vaughn. I'm. I don't know where where he goes though. I it's, yeah, I feel like that's probably, hard to read. It is, man, because you take a guy five six, you gotta. But somebody's gonna fall in love with him. There'll be some teams I think that just his his game is so fun to watch. Um, I think he goes probably third round, but he may creep up even a little bit higher. You never know on that one. It's I wouldn't yeah. be shocked. So we'll see on that Benson, but we're good on the kick returner. Still undetermined punt returner. TBD. Uh, David McFarland, thank you for the two dollar donation. Says the financials on the Brown deal are one year two point two five million. That's mildly amazing to me. Spotrack estimated three years, 32 million. And he was pretty good last year and even better the year before. This is a, I guess this is just one of those things in free agency where if you're not one of the top dogs, there may not just be no money out there for you. It's like, it almost becomes like luck of the draw if a mid-level guy can get paid. And we have done a great job capitalizing on that here. This is a, a shade above vet men, really, when you think about it. Do you think draft uh, reputation still follows you to a point like this with Brown uh, or a player like Brown at this spot where he's an undrafted rookie, he's an undrafted free agent guy coming out, and then you have guys like Posick that are former second-round picks that get paid on the market at such a more substantial rate that was, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. It's like uh, Jerry Tillery got two years, $7 million, right? <laughs> And what, what is he? He's like, you know, a complete disaster of a player. He should be making yeah. the vet men. Agreed. 
Okay, we're going to really test this theory out, though, with LJ Collier this offseason, though. Does he get any money? <laughs> I I would be... I would be absolutely surprised. He could end up on a practice squad, but I can never see him on any active roster anytime in the future. I would be I would be yeah. blown away to see it. It would yeah. it would just yeah. knock my socks off. But yeah, I think that deal is so good it has to upgrade our view of the offseason at least a little bit. That's a pretty amazing deal for a starting caliber offensive lineman. I I'm definitely of the all the deals that have been handed out. There's deals I do like in this offseason and I'm not totally anti it. It's just that it, it's that thing of like I think the way you put it was the way to put it where you look at the individual signings like in that one year you look at them individually and they're okay. It's the looking at what you've done in total on it and did you maximize out your cap space? Did you did you totally fit everyone in that you could or did you kind of do a little bit of what they've done with the numbers where it does get slid up? But when it comes to Brown on this, this is a fantastic deal. He provides you position flexibility so he can play guard position or he can play center. And he gives you a guy that if you go and draft Schmitz in the, with 20th, Brendan, I'm sure you're hearing now, Seahawks are circling around that 20th pick with Schmitz we're hearing on a lot of different sources bubbling out in the in the, in the the area. I, thing. I, I don't buy it for one second. You don't everything, buy it. Everything the, that was leaked about the Seahawks draft intentions last year before the draft ended up being like a blatant lie, like not even close to the truth. Like we were going to trade up and get Ritter at the bottom of the first round. We were going to trade up and get – Matt Corral at the bottom of the first round. Oh, we really like Trevor Penning at the number nine overall pick. Like none of it was even close to being true, clearly, because we could have taken Penning in like the third and we, or excuse me, Ritter in the third and we didn't do it. So like, I'm not buying any of that for even one second. It's a good point. It's a good point. Might not be. And it's, it's part of me. It's just that the adding up where it's like, they went, wow, we just haven't been able to get a center for years, you know, F it, just make 20 the center. No one else has taken this kid there. We'll be able to get him for sure by that point. You know, we come out with the best center in the draft, but uh, we'll see. I mean, that's, we got a long time still left to go before we get to the draft here. Well over a month still, you know, remaining yeah. as far as the time goes on that. Uh, thank you though, David. Appreciate the donation. Very kind of you. Uh, Chad Hart with the $10 dono. Appreciate you as well. Chad says Jalen Carter will be a future Seahawk. The combine doesn't mean Jack. He's going to take this team to another level. Go Hawks. Thanks again for putting my name on the thumbnail. Oh yeah, absolutely, uh, Chad. Of course, on the these ones with it, we just do the stream yard, so it's I can't do my opening thing on it. But uh, absolutely on that, Chad, one hundred percent there. And uh, I love where you're at with it, man. I I will be I will be one of those Carter apologists, Brendan. Draft day, if we pick him, I will be sitting here like you know his biggest benefactor on it because I I watched as much tape on this kid as anybody in this draft, and I, I defensive tackles don't come rolling down every other year like this it's they're not built like this just every draft there's always a guy like this you know there wasn't last year there wasn't the year before that there wasn't probably the year before that so um i'm in if we get a man i love it i mean i'll i'll i mean i imagine i'll be open to it by the time we get there on uh draft day but uh, right now there's just uh, too many red flags i feel you man i'll have you talked into it by that point though i'll get you on board yeah. by that spot so I love it though, Chad. Thank you, man. Appreciate you on the dono. And uh, uh, I love it. Hope I hope you're right. Hope you're correct. Mm -hmm. And thanks for being a patron as well, Chad, on my patron side. Uh, Nick Moonman, thank you for the $5 dono. Says, how about Mazze Smith in the second round? It knows to replace or rotate with Al Woods. I think that's actually the move. I think that's probably my favorite thing we can do at the top of the second right now. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, be opposed to it either, Nick. Um, you're walking out of the draft at that point with the best zero tech in the entire draft. 
in Mazze Smith. Um, he's not a guy that gives you much as far as the pass rusher goes. He's not going to use his hands to you know give you rip moves and swim moves, and it's not going to look like that like you see from the lines with Jalen Carter. But he's going to get in there and be immovable at the point of attack. He's a wall up there. He can handle double teams. He is strong as hell. What he put up like Brendan, like 33, 34 reps on the on yeah, the bench. 34. 34. Um, I mean, he's a, he's outstandingly strong. He's got the length, which was nice to see at the combine. So he doesn't come in as the short arms thing either. So yeah, he, he's the best in this draft, Nick. And the place that he's going to probably land as the best nose tackle in this draft is probably second round, even though that's earlier than last year. But he's probably Brendan. It's a little bit of a weird thing. I think he's better as a run stuffer than that kid out of UConn, right? But the kid out of UConn, I thought, offered a little more pass rush. Now, that kid went in the third round last year, Brendan, but I think this year's weakness of the draft, not being quite as strong, um, and him being clear and away the best one of the bunch, probably elevates him up a little bit higher. Is that a fair way to look at it? wouldn't be shocked if the Chiefs take him at the back of the first round. It's possible. Possible. 100% possible there. They definitely yeah. need the run stuffers because they play a lot of their games up, you know, where they're they're up ahead of teams. So they need to have the opportunity to be able to, um, you know, put that down. I could see that. You pair him up there with Chris Jones, let Chris Jones kind of run around. This guy just does the dirty work for Chris down there. Yeah. Um, and Keanu Benton's a nice backup if Mozzie Smith does go before our pick. Uh, I was doing some uh, preliminary research into stuff. Wisconsin, the last two years, has, av- has allowed less than three yards per carry on average. It's pretty insane. He's legitimate. I think him and Maze Smith are the only two zero techs in the second round. That's your, that's it. But they are both your second round guys who should go in that range. Um, and what you do like with Keanu Benton as opposed to Maze Smith is he actually gives you some pass rush. You know, he's, he's a guy that operates heavier. He operates like a heavy guy, but he's actually light and he can kind of move a little bit more. Whereas Mozzie Smith's just kind of that block, you know, he's going to, you know, just, just wall up. He's just a wall. That's the best way I can describe Mozzie. Just, he's a brick wall. But uh, I love Ben man. He's great too. Ben Norse, Mozzie Smith would be fantastic to walk away from out of this draft, I think. Would help right. our defensive line out considerably. Uh, Ricardo Edmondson coming in with a big $20 donation, man. Thank you so much, Ricardo, for the $20 dono. You're very, very kind of all y'all tonight. Appreciate all the support on the channel. It says, would Anderson play ahead of who is already on a team at already on the team at a position he would play as a hawk? I'm not sure he beats out enough players to justify that high of a pick it would take to draft Anderson. I, well, let's think here. Nwosu is one of our starters, right? Mm-hmm. The other starter, I, I don't think it would be Taylor because Taylor's going to be a pass rusher, specifically, only. And you don't want him on the field on first and 10 necessarily. So it's Will Anderson versus Mafe, right? And mm-hmm. Will Anderson... I understand he would be younger than Mafe by a good amount, but he's a much more high-profile talent. He's he's got a lot more ability than Mafe ever will, and I like Mafe a lot, but it's uh, not even close. So yeah. I think he would start, and if he doesn't start, he would play plenty. I, I agree with Brendan on this. I think he does edge out Mafe on this, Ricardo. Just that he's a better player. I think that this is a little bit of first-world problems kind of thing too, where it's like it's a good problem to have. And I've also thought a little bit of if you're going to take Will Anderson, Ricardo, there's going to probably be another trade that comes right on the heels of it where Daryl Taylor, if you can't get the second round, okay, well, then you get a third rounder for him. I, I wouldn't see them necessarily rocking those four guys straight away clear going forward. I think somebody would probably be moved at that point 
you'd run with three, you'd have your depth, but you'd probably try to get a little bit more value back on the other end of it. Um, I could be reading a little bit too much into that where they're maybe willing to do that. But with Taylor going into a contract year, his value is probably at the highest that it's ever been for them to potentially move him. Um, yeah. That would be the move I think would come with it. Yeah. Would you think the same thing or do you think they would roll with the four if they... I think they roll with the four. I, at least that's what I would do. And the reason why I say that is because I'm kind of out on Tyreek Smith. He's mm-hmm. already got like bad hips. It, it feels like that's kind of a big deal. Like, I'll be I'm, count on him. Yeah. And Alton, I don't know. Like I forgot Alton exists because he's been gone for so long. Just but, likewise, can't count on him. Yeah. So like, I I don't think, I don't think you would feel obligated to move off somebody just because you get Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just would wonder if I'd have the snaps to get Taylor out there. And if it's a matter of I'm running Taylor out there at like 10% of the snaps this season or 15% at that point, because Moppy takes a step forward in his game. And I know I can't put Taylor out in round and rundowns anyway, you know, is Taylor worthwhile to hold on at that 15% of the snaps he gives me off the edge versus picking up a late second or an early third round pick on the other side of it for what would you do on that? If you knew that to be the case on the other side of it. I mean, then I probably would trade him. Yeah. If that, if you know, for a fact, that's the case, I probably would. But I mean, how can you possibly know that? How can you possibly know no one will ever get hurt? How can you possibly know that Anderson's going to hit the ground running to that degree? Like he's going to be 21 years old as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I think it's, too, it's, it's also a move you can maybe wait to make as well. You know, you may have a team that gets, uh, you know, um, desperate in a training camp, needing pass rush help. Somebody goes down for them and then you have, your guys, he looked, you get a chance to look at Anderson at that point, get the view of him, and then make a better determination at that point, especially if everybody is healthy then, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of ways they can still go with it, Ricardo. It doesn't necessarily pre- pre- presumptively stop them. The nice thing with Anderson, you got to understand with him too, is that he is, as Brendan and I were talking about this recently, with this one of two best players in this entire draft you're getting at that point. Right. Um, from a Basically from a consensus, consensus standpoint, not just a Brendan Brandon opinion, but a consensus NFL front office standpoint on that one. Yeah. Peter go Hawks with a $5 donation. Thank you, Peter go Hawks. He says, uh, will Anderson at five, would you trade your 20 and 51 for six and take Carter? Whew. I have the spin of the fun part, Brennan. The one part that I've liked of this Carter talk recently is it's exhausted me, but the one fun part has been the thought process of coming out of this draft with both will Anderson and Carter. <laughs> Um, would be amazing. Uh, but he says that completely fixes the defensive line and you could potentially get Trenton Simpson at 37. Okay. So I'm looking at the draft value chart right now. The combined value of 20 and 51 is 850 plus 390. So you're talking about basically, uh, 1250, 1250. The value of the six pick is 1600. So you're going to have to do better than that. You're going to have to do significantly better than that. Well, what does what the fourth rounder add to that? Fourth rounder adds, no, not enough, not even close. Like that adds like 50 points. We need like 300 more on top of it. You need to probably give up future a future second rounder as well. And, you know, I it, it's just not going to happen. It's That's not the John Schneider sure. way. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't seem to be Peter Gohawks our our method to approach for that. Now, if if Carter was to maybe drop further than six and get himself down into a nine ten range, even though me both me and Brennan feel like Bears and the Eagles are going to be chomping at the bit by that point to to jump on him, um, maybe you could pull it off with that as well. 
in a little bit of a different place of it. But you're probably going to have to give up the extra second to move up. And that's probably going to prove too costly. And as we've said on this, John Schneider has never moved up in a first round in uh, his entire time here in Seattle, which is significant. Right. Especially when they moan so much about the fact they don't get a pick very high. (laughs) Correct. Uh, Thank you, though, Peter. Appreciate you on that. Daniel Bailey with a $5 donation. Thank you, Daniel, as well. Appreciate you, too. Says Titans trade up to three. We get Anderson at five. Carter falls to eight. No quarterback left for the Falcons, and they're willing to trade back. Trade up from 20 for how much? Wow, these uh, donors are going right together as far as the questions on this one. So, um, okay, let me do the math here. So, number eight is worth 1400. Okay. 20 is worth 850. So, you need 550 points. So, you would probably need to do a second rounder plus the third rounder, maybe like a day three pick as well. Again, I, I it's not happening, but that's a little more feasible, slightly more feasible. All right, let's just say we don't have to do the day three pick on it. We can get away with doing a second and a third, Brendan. Uh, we get Anderson, uh, we get Anderson at five, and Falcons call us and say, Hey, we want to add it, we want to try to add picks here. We'll we'll do this on your 20, a second and a third. You're Schneider, you're sitting there in the room, you've just gotten Anderson. The Carter character thing is clear. Okay. Cause if it's not clear, we're not doing it. So we acknowledge that this isn't right. operate. If it's, if it's, if it's negative on that, on that from Carter, from Schneider standpoint, he ain't doing it. It's clear. Falcons call you with that offer. What's your answer? I would probably do it. I would probably do it, but I don't think Schneider would. I don't, I agree with everything Brendan just said on this, Daniel. I do it as well. Don't think Schneider would do it, but I would give up those kind of assets to go out there and to walk away with the two best players in this draft to that point. And, um, that's what I've gotten done with my, basically my two first round picks plus a second and a third rounder. I think that that's worthwhile from that standpoint of things. And if you had Carter and Anderson on this defense at the same time, Brendan, I mean, just what you've seen from Carter on the field and Anderson and what you've seen on him in the field, what does that defense look like with everything else around them? In my opinion, if you could do that. Yeah, that, that would take care of a lot of the problems that would definitely take care of a lot of the problems. Like I think that people's perception of Jaron Reed will change significantly if he's coming off the bench mm-hmm. behind Draymond Jones and uh, um, Carter. Mm-hmm. Like then you've got your your bench is basically going to be uh, Reed, and right now it would be Miles Adams, who I'm personally pretty high on Miles Adams. I don't mind if he plays a non-trivial role on the team this year. Same, especially with that point where you have him as kind of the back-end rotational guy can flex up at times if you got some injuries or whatnot, but you're not looking at him as sort of the first guy off the bench. It's the same thing like with Reed. He's not a starter, but the first guy, you feel a little bit better about it. Everybody kind of goes down and lots into their proper role at that point on the defense. But you'd, you'd have some game wreckers out there at that point, defensively speaking. That front seven would start looking mighty, mighty good with those two guys down there. Uh, another alternative, by the way, for this trade, hypothetically, would be Atlanta's pick at eight for our pick at 20 plus our pick at 37. That would be about equivalent. So it would be the early second rounder or the later second rounder plus a third rounder. And I'd probably want to go with the early second rounder at that case and keep the third and then still have that second. So if that could get, and that that could be enough to do it, I'd pull that Daniel. So there's your, your two ways you could roll with that. Uh, depending on which second rounder you give up, uh, de- it would depend on whether you want to give up that third rounder in addition. But both me and Brendan would like to just do the first second rounder because then you maintain your your picks at that right. point. But right. it'd be wonderful. It would be wonderful if we can walk out with both, man. The Seahawks fans would be celebrating like nobody's business. 
Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate the dono. Uh, Snail with a $2 donation says we should trade down from five and take the pit kid. Kalijah can't see. I think that'd be a, a great way to go with it. I'm very high on can He's my number two defensive tackle on my board. Have you looked at yeah. Brian? You've looked at Brian Breezy and can both. Who do you like? Uh, right now. I like can a little bit better. It's close, but I would take can more upside. I think. And yeah. probably a better fit for our defense. Like, I, I actually do think he would fit right in as a 3-4 end. Yeah. Uh, isn't that basically what Aaron Donald's done lately? Play 3-4 mm -hmm. end? Yeah, and the same defense. That's a nice part about this is that we don't have to, like if Donald had just been playing in a 4-3 his whole career and we had this pit kid come out like this, it would be doing a lot more of like, well, we've never quite seen it. But because Donald did transition to the Fangio coverage, the literal defense we run. Um, and, and again, Brennan, it's that part that I get caught up on is that gap and a half thing. It's that's the key difference on this three and three, four that we run versus other three, four defenses and how they've run it traditionally, which allows for you to get more of the attacking kind of guy on the defensive line at that point, which is what Draymond, Draymond Dun Drones does as well. He's attacking type of defensive end, not a he's not a 280 going to be the two two gapping guy down there. Right. He's he's down there to try to get after it. Right. I agree. So I would be for that. I mean, what if you could trade down with the Titans? pick up Jeffrey Simmons and then draft Cansey with the Titans pick. And then you've got Jones, uh, Simmons and Cansey as your top three ends. And then you've got Reed as like the second backup. And then you've got miles Adams just kind of picking up whatever's left right like there. Then now you're talking because then you still point. get Mozzie Smith. Right. You're still not, don't have to be done there. You can still continue to keep reinforcing it. You're right. Um, that'd be great if they can pull that off. It's again, why trading back would be so tasty a proposition for all that you could kind of do off of that. Um, even if they're being a great player there at five, there's so much, as we saw with the hall that the bears got Brendan, it's, it, it's a lot that you can pull off on the other side of it. I like your idea though. You move back with the Titans, you don't get an extra pick, but you essentially just get Simmons. So they, they flip you back Simmons, you go to them at two, and then you get their 12. That'd be great. Yeah, I, I don't think it's likely. I have a theory no. that teams are very hesitant to part ways with players who are clearly really good as long as they're not like 29 or older. I think they're looking at what the Eagles did and they're like, we could do that too. So realistically mm -hmm. the Titans are years away and we all know it, but they're looking at what the Eagles did and we're like, Hey, they turned it around in one year. We can do it too. Jeffrey Simmons is 25 years old. He's really good. Let's hold on to him like grim death, even though we should probably trade him. Agreed. Yeah. It's, you don't see a lot of the movement on the defensive linemen across the league. If teams have good ones, they hold on to them too, especially like they're very valuable to teams. So, uh, but I like it, snail your, your head's in the great place on that one. I would be completely on board with, uh, looking at Cansey, man. He's awesome. Mm -hmm. Seahawk gaming with a $2 donation. Thank you. Seahawk gaming for that. This is chase young for pick 20 and Evan Brown was one year two two twenty five. So the Evan Brown deal is a great deal. Uh, we love this at two, 2 million and two. You can maybe get a starter at basically bet minimum. I mean, at that point for all intents and purposes, you know, plus a couple hundred thousand dollars. So if he ends up turning into a, a league average player at vet minimum minimum, which has been his track record at center recently, that this is phenomenal value. This is great. Um, so not, nothing to poo poo on that deal at all on that side of it. Um, right. Chase Young for 20. Brendan Knight, I got to use the bathroom real quick. Can you tell him whether or not you're in on Chase Young at 20? Um, okay. Well, all right. I am not in on Chase Young at 20 at all. In fact, as of right now, until further notice, I consider Chase Young to be a bust. He hasn't done anything in two years. Like uh, he was not playing very well two years ago. Then he got hurt. And then uh, last year he didn't do much of anything. So 
I'm completely out on uh, Chase Young. So I'm definitely not interested in that personally. Uh, to me, the guy to target would be Montez Sweat. Um, I, I think that's probably the guy you'd want to trade a high pick for. I really like Montez Sweat. We probably should have taken him years ago. We didn't. That, to me, is the opportunity to strike. I do not trust Chase Young to be worth a high-value pick right now. Um, let's see here. Um, I think that's really about all I can say about it. But yeah, I'm not in on uh, I, I'm not in on the Chase Young thing. And yeah, the Evan Brown deal is pretty amazing. Uh-huh. Sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I said I'm not interested in Chase Young at all. I actually think right now he should be considered a, a bust. I mean, we're talking about a guy who hasn't done anything in two years. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to pull that trigger on twenty there, Seahawks gaming. We were looking at other guys presumptively of Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons and um uh, DeForest Buckner, you know, and Young a couple of years ago, this would be a different situation, but Young now, especially because it seems like there's there's something going on with the knee that's beyond just typical. He had a torn ACL, they repaired it, and now he's getting back to front. It took him a long time this year to even get back up onto the football field marginally. Where is that knee? You know, where is the structure of that knee? Is it was there a problem with the operation? Was it a, there is some worries there at Young, I think, on that. Probably more of Absolutely. a second round value on him at this point if you're going to get him. Yeah, I think that's a big gamble. I'm not spending a first round pick on it. Yeah, I, I go a little later on that Seahawks gaming, but he's, I don't know. That's just a little bit much. I like him a lot as a player. I think he's got some great upside to him. But like Brennan said, he's probably more, if not in the bust range of things, he's got a lot still left to prove as far as getting to that place as a player. Um, Absolutely. For where he was supposed to go when we when he was being picked. Uh, Connor with another $2 dono. Thank you for the double donation. Connor says, uh, would you trade 20 for a lower first and a second and a third? Offhand, I think I would. Depends on who's there at 20 though, always, right? Like if you could get somebody I really, really liked, like Brian Brissy or Nolan Smith at 20, mm-hmm. then I'd kind of want to just take them. But if you can, if there are multiple players there you like, or maybe no players there you really like, it's different. But offhand, I'd say yes. Or you got them all equivalently placed, mm-hmm. right? You have them right. all about the same kind of value. I would do it for a second rounder, Connor, about moving back. I wouldn't do it for a third. But if we get an extra second, then I would do it on just general principle. I, I want as many picks in the second round as we can get. If we could stack a bunch of them up, that'd be great. Um, so I would be in favor of doing that. It would be a later second round pick, but I'd, I'd still, I still think you get a great player there at that point, a real good player at that point by going there. I think the combine made me feel like this draft is a little deeper than I originally thought. It's kind of, for me, depends on the position you're looking at. You know, there's some positions that are really nice. It's just, I, I, for me, Brandon, it comes down to, I, maybe I'm a little bit in the opposite place in this. Cause I, I go and I go get, get while the getting's good, get as many picks in the second round as you can. If I could pack, if I could package a, a fourth, a fifth, you know, in a, a future fourth to get an extra second or something weirdly in this draft, I would do it for this given draft because I think the back end of this draft, you might find some diamonds in the rough, but boy, Brandon, once you get into fifth round on this, it's you're, you're, it's light. It's, it's real light on, on what you're going to expect. There's guys got some potentials, like they're Michael Wilson's types though, like played this many games in this many years, injury, this injury, that, but the p- physical potentials there. Not any guys that are really like you, like, wow, that's a hell of, like a Tariq Woolen-like steal I don't think you're grabbing in the fifth round this year. Like, yeah, Julius- I agree with that, but I'm talking about, like, there was a time when we were talking about trading our number 20 pick, 
because we didn't really like the depth of the, oh, yeah. the first. Now I don't yeah, yeah. feel that way. No, no, no. I agree with you there. The first, the, the, the depth in the first is great. I, you still feel fine about that. It's, it's, it's the same kind of player around in those teams you get in other years. It's the tier one talent that's lower on the front side of that a little bit, but that doesn't impact that pick necessarily. Connor, thank you for the dono though, man. Appreciate you. Uh, Nate W with a $5 donation. Thank you, Nate. Just hopped on. Did you guys cover the Zeke meeting? If so, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think that's fake news. I'm pretty sure that was posted by a troll account. We were talking about that earlier today. Was it the bread man, Brandon? Yeah. That damn bread, bread man. man. That damn bread yeah. man. He always gets him. Yeah. I mean, look, if Zeke wants to play for the vet men to be a power back or fullback or center or whatever, okay. But uh, I don't think he's going to be willing to do that. So, um, I aren't you just always pretty much better off getting a running back in the draft when it comes to like these guys who are be like, like two years beyond washed up. I can't think of a situation in recent history where getting the two years to their washed up thing has worked out for a team where somehow they've just squeezed that last little bit of juice out of that guy. And, and they found some like final season where there's a little bit left there. I, I think the better route, like you said, is to go with the draft and take that mode with it. Zeke's not been a particularly good back for the Cowboys in recent years. He can pass protect. He's got a good hand. So you, know, you can maybe look at him as a Travis Homer-like replacement, I guess, uh, and a short yardage back guy if they were wanting to look. But he's not been a great short yardage back guy. And he's just he's not the same player he was when he came in the league. I'm not even sure he was ever, at the end of the day, Brennan, all that all that in a bag of chips at the end of the day. Anyway, he got to benefit from having what he had Frederick as the center. He had Zach uh, was it Martin. There's the right yeah. guard. Then he had Tyron Smith. So he had three pro bowlers and Lyle Collins on the right side. When he walked in, I, I just thought he had a great offensive line and he got to flourish behind that offensive line. And once that line went to, went to poop, it just, his game went down with it. Yeah. Um, to me, the play is signed Dearness Johnson for vet men. That's a guy who you're, who's much younger, has very few miles on him. Because I do think we need two running backs mm -hmm. right now. We've Agreed. got K9, DJ, and nothing else. Even if you think Godwin is a running back, which I kind of don't, then mm -hmm. we don't have him right now. At the moment, we don't have him. Even if yeah. you think he's a running back. Yeah, I like your approach with that too. Vet minimum on a guy who's been in the league, knows what he's doing. Then you get the rookie in there to kind of uh, assemble in around the other guys and round it out in that fashion of things. So... Um, just can't see whether Zeke makes a lot of sense in this in this deal. Um, just not the guy, a guy that's very far off where his reputation was a couple of years ago. And if you look at the Seahawks, look at the Cowboy fans and how they're reacting to his departure there. You're not hearing, you're not seeing a lot of tears being shed. It's it's more of an, an applause on that one. Right. Uh, Max Sherman, thank you for another five dollar donation. Max, appreciate the double dono from you as well, brother. He says, "I really wanted Montez Sweat during the draft. Bring him on. Give him the twentieth. And maybe a mid next year. Go Hawks. I do like Sweat. It's nice about Sweat. He's a good all-around player. He's he's not going to light the world on fire as a pass rusher, but he's a good pass rusher. And he's a plus run defender as well. So he gives you a bit of both for the 20th pick in the first round. Mm. Might be a little high for me. He's not, he's not that Von Miller type of edge rusher. He's like the next tier. He's not the... DeForest Buckner because Buckner is giving you that elite pass rush from the interior. That's more valuable. Hard like, to find. Yeah. I, I think that you could maybe do like 37 for Montez sweat, but I like the general idea here. I like the general concept. 
I like the concept too here, Max. I, I do agree with Brendan on this one, that if you're making the move for him, it's got to be to me in that second round range because what's coming on the other side of this is I've have to sign him to a monstrous deal as well. He's going to want right around probably near 20 million a year um, to be paid. And if that's the case, then I'm not giving up a first round pick in addition to, to do that type of thing. I, I It's a little bit like what the Chiefs did with Frank Clark, where you know they gave him the $23.5 million back in the day when they traded with us and they give him a first and a second round pick for him. You know, that deal didn't look good for them in retrospect. They didn't feel good about that deal in retrospect. And Sweat's maybe every bit of, a little bit better player than in total than what Clark was coming out. So um, I do it in the second round. I wouldn't do it in the first round, though, Max. I think you're better put to some of the names Brennan talked about. I mean, even if you wanted to go with a Nolan Smith on a rookie deal, you know, he comes in and he gives you everything, every bit of what Montez Sweat gives you as a run defender. And then he maybe has that top end to him that can at least reach Montez in the first couple of years of that deal. Um, as far as the equivalency go, you're not spending the 20 million though. And you, you know, so it's money saved that you can put somewhere else at that point. I agree. I'd lean to that. Thank you though, Max. I appreciate you on that. Casey Brown. Thank you for the uh, $2 donation. Casey says, can Drew Locke develop into a long-term answer after Geno Smith? Well, I feel like it's not going to happen here. I think what's going to happen is Gino's going to play pretty good this year. He's going to do his thing. It's good enough for us to feel like we can keep him for at least one more year. Drew Locke's going to spend the year on the bench. And then next year, he's going to be like, time for me to go somewhere where I can realistically get a starting job. Like Rashad Penny did this offseason, where you know we offered him at least as much money as the Eagles did. I'm but sure he was did. like, nah, I'm, I'm not going to... I don't want to be behind K-9. I don't want to be behind... I don't want to be in this pass happy offense where I'm not going to get to put up stats. I go to Philly. They run the ball more than anybody. I'm going to get the ball more. I'm going to put up bigger stats and get a big contract next year. So no Miles Sanders. Yeah. Miles Sanders is out. Uh, they still have Gainwell, right? He He's good, but Penny's going to get the ball more in Philly than he did here. But Gamewell's not established like Walker's established here. It was kind of was being in, to your point on that. Like he's yeah. Gamewell's kind of looked at as kind of the backup guy comes through as a rotation guy. He's Penny will have a clear opportunity to get to the number one role, even if they drop the guy there, which he wouldn't have here. Walker's going to, I mean, hell last year, they were trying to find ways to get Walker in front of Penny, even before he uh, got injured. Uh, they were trying to, you know, work, work him in there from that standpoint of things. Um, I agree with Brendan on this one, Casey, that, you know, that the thing with Gino's done with his deal is part of the benefit of it being great for G for the team on being a, a team friendly deal is also the fact that you're able to take the deal and and make it affordable throughout the portion of its entirety of it, the contract. I think Gino, because he's taken a team-friendly deal, has that much more likely that he's going to see all three years because it's got the escalators and things that are going to make this not painful for the team to hold on to him and keep him here. And especially if he's performing really well at a top 10 type level from the quarterback position, why would they want to? That's great value for the money at that point. So there's just not the pathway for Drew to go in there and start. Absent Gino completely falling off, um, or, or not being the player he was last year. And so Gino would have to fail for Drew to step into that position. I think it's just Drew recognized that there wasn't the place out there this offseason that was going to give him an opportunity. I mean, who, who's going to sign him to give him the starting opportunity somewhere? Um, there wasn't there, right? Yeah, we thought there was going to be, but as it we turns did. out, it doesn't seem to be the case, no. I, I'm surprised. And 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 maybe uh, you know a guy like Sean Payton would have looked at a guy like Drew Locke in Denver for that Jared Stidham signing if it hadn't been that Drew Locke had already been there before. You know, that yeah. might have been the place that he had gone to. But 
there just wasn't much of a market out there for Drew, I guess, you know, but yeah. maybe there was too, because we did, we did give him the form. We didn't put the 3.5 million incentives. Maybe we had to uh, sweeten the pot a little bit. Like you said, maybe they just like him that much. Well, um, Tampa Bay basically gave a slightly bigger version of that deal to Baker. So are we to believe that Tampa preferred Baker to Drew Locke? That's a good point. I, that's kind of weird, right? Because their new offensive coordinator was coaching Locke this year and apparently really liked him. That would be a little bit weird, right? Like even Frisco, even look at Frisco, like they got Sam Darnold for significantly more than what Drew Locke got. Um, Carolina got Andy Dalton. Now, Carolina is obviously going to draft a quarterback, but Carolina gave Andy Dalton considerably more than what Drew Locke got. So I don't know. It's a little surprising to me. Maybe it's just because he didn't play it all last year. I take Drew Locke all day over Sam Darnold. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I take him over Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Definitely over Andy Dalton. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, not even. I mean, that's why I'm not mad about the deal. That's why I'm not mad. It's like I'm looking at what these other guys got. I'm like, okay, I don't know if this is actually going to do anything for us, but I, I have to say that if you look at these other backup quarterbacks and fringe quarterbacks, the money they got, it, we did pretty well for ourselves. Yeah, I, I, it's for me. It just comes down to just the the player you could have got instead of spend that money. And if you went rookie, if you saved that money, if you could have built the team better. But you know, he's going to be helpful. It gives us a backup that comes off the bench that you're not going to you're not going to miss a beat from Gino. I think if Drew comes in, I think that there's not a huge drop off from one to the other on this one. So that's at least another benefit built into this. Um, and the price is the price on this, Brendan. And like you said, he probably would have gone to Canellas in Tampa Bay if uh, if Seattle hadn't gone up a little bit higher on what they're probably offering from an incentive program. Um, but that's my only one worry that, like you said, the money's kind of de facto gone at this point. You know, unless you do restructures and stuff, you don't have anything else to spend. Uh, you you had some money coming off season, but you have a lot. But yeah, well, there's one thing to consider. Every time you sign a player or draft a player, you're pushing somebody else off the roster. So every move you make to bring in somebody is freeing up on the back end, like 750000 to $1 million. Mm-hmm. I think that is something people forget about. And that does add up. We've got at least, I would say, 12 to 15 players on this roster right now who are under contract, who will not be under contract when the season starts. So that's like an additional 10 to $12 million you're freeing up just through releasing those guys like Chris Steele, Isaiah Dunn, Joshua Onujiogu, Chris Garrett, Gerard Hewitt. We know that all these guys are likely going to end up on the practice squad. So we have to consider that as well. Mm-hmm. It's true. There's a little bit more money that will be freed from that spot of things. And as with somebody else was posted above, we got a lot of flexibility on some of the contracts. So if they want to move money around, but then that just comes down to, do we have the money to spend? Do we have the extra purse strings to stretch that out a little bit and try to fit a couple extra contracts in? Or are we restricted a little bit because of the financial situation we talked about earlier on the show with uh, a, a, an impending sale maybe down the road and how that can impact things? But right. no, it's uh, he will at least give you a, a, a very valuable backup to have. You're not going with a guy that's not going to be able to function this offense if he comes in. He's got familiarity. He knows how to run it, Brendan. That's definitely a value for sure. Uh, Ricardo Edmondson, thank you for the $5 donation, man. Thank you for again the double donation here. You guys are amazing on the support on the channel as ever, man. <laughs> Appreciate you. It says, if the cards stay where they are in the first round of the upcoming draft, what position are they most likely interested in? There's some talk that they like Tyree, Brennan. They got to be pure BPA, right? They need a lot. Like, honestly, their best player last year might have been Zach Allen, and now he's gone. I was listening to a Cardinals podcast a little bit uh, after he signed with Denver, and they were like, 
man, the one good thing to come out of last season is now gone. Like he so might true. be their best, especially if they trade D hop, even mm-hmm. if you think D hop was better, which I kind of don't, he didn't, he hasn't done anything for two years. Like Zach Allen may have been their best player. So they should just pure BPA it the whole way down. Right. Well, it's also part of, in your description is also why here, Ricardo, they need to, they, I know you said they stay, but this is why they really shouldn't stay under any regard. If they got even marginally close to the offering of what the bears got to move down to nine, they should be moving because they have so much need of help across the board. I mean, that's the thing here is they're not just one guy away here. Um, but I think that they're going to probably the value of it there when they sit at three Ricardo is in edge at that point, unless they're in on Carter as far as they're okay with his character stuff. If it's not that, that, but both those two positions are both that they need both edge and both interior. So um, them going defense BPA at that point would be, it would lead them to defense. I can't see them going any other direction. Wide receiver value is not there. Cornerback that's too high. Um, Bijan Robinson, I guess, would be a very cardinal move to make, wouldn't it? That'd be for some reason that feels cardinal like to me, Brennan. The Cardinals taking him at number three. Like, I don't know why, but um, maybe that would if the former general manager was there, I'd feel like that. But uh it's yeah. it'd probably an edge, probably a defensive player, Ricardo, on that if they just stand pat. Yeah, yeah. I imagine they're right now. I think they take Anderson. Right now, yeah. I guess they take Anderson, but I I mean I don't know what Tyree Wilson's done to launch himself into the top three. Like he didn't even comp- do anything at the combine, right? Mm-hmm. Like he needed to have a, the big Trevon Walker combine and it didn't happen. No, uh, we'll see what he does on his pro day too. Um, I'm, some of these guys are not even running drills on their pro days. Um, not even including Carter, but there was some other guy I heard about that wasn't doing any other extra stuff where he's like, no, nah, I'm just going to do what I've done. What, I'll like rest, rest on my tape, my laurels. But uh, he does seem to be coming up a little bit stronger lately does Wilson from some people's perspective on this. And I have heard him connected with the Cardinals for whatever it's worth um, a little bit that they're, they're higher on him. Um, I think the thing that people like about him versus, versus Anderson too, is Anderson only ran the four, six So it's like, you get the, if, if he does go out on his pro day and lights it up, you know, and, and does, you know, run a four, five forty, and, you know, puts out a one, five, five, 10 yard split versus Anderson. Well, that might, that might push him up a little bit, but you're right. He's got to still put up the, the testing numbers to legitimize himself in that fashion. I think. Absolutely. Uh, Peter go Hawks. Thank you for another $5 donation. He says our first four picks, Anderson, Cansey, Maze, and Campbell, the linebacker, a dream start. What are your guys' thoughts on Zach Kuntz? Thanks for your stream. They are fire. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Very kind of you to say on that. And thank you, Brendan, for doing the stream tonight. As uh, always on this, man, you're awesome for doing this. What do you think about that uh, draft as a first four picks? I would be really happy. I would be really happy with that. I don't love Campbell the way I like some of these other linebackers, but at that pit place in the draft, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love the other three picks. I'd be all over that. I got no issue with any of that. So, yeah, if that was our first four picks, I would be really happy. Yeah, I think what I like about your picks there too in the spot on a Peter is like Brennan said, these are all picks. They're places where these players are probably likely to go right around. So you're being realistic on the guys that you're picking and the spots you're picking them at. Uh, I do have Campbell as a guy that's a little lower than other middle linebackers in this class, but I think a late second round grade is what I've got on him. So taking him late second round would be proper value, proper place to select that guy at that point. I think he's a pretty safe guy in that he's he's not going to be a guy that fails for you at the middle linebacker position. He might be a little more of a high floor, low ceiling guy 
when you really all break it down with Campbell a little bit with him, um, which provides you a little bit of certainty in selecting him there. Um, but look, sure. your line's going to be in a great place with those three guys on there and Anderson, Kansi, and, and Mozzie at that point. That'd be phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Zach Kuntz, uh, I think he's like 6'8 out of Old Dominion, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was at the combine on fire. He like what had the second best 40 time for a tight end despite being really big. Uh, he lifted well. His 10-yard split was great. He's uh, somebody who's going to rise up in the draft because of the combine. I like him. I like him. Apparently, he can't block for anything, but uh, he's got some value in this league for sure. Yeah, the, I think the hard – I'm looking at my notes on him here, Brennan. I couldn't find much tape, Old Dominion. <laughs> they're, they're not lurking on YouTube very much with, to, to go and like find much on him. Um, but his testing scores are incredible. Um, 6, 7, 40-inch broad jump. Uh, almost 130 inches on or 130 inches on the broad. Then he had almost 40 inch vert, uh, 34 inch long arms, Brendan. So he's six, seven with long arms on top of it. Yeah. Um, and that was one thing I did see on this tape that highlighted to me that I liked was that he could high point the ball. Sometimes those six foot seven guys have become body catchers and they, they remove down their height because they can't extend up and really stretch away with it, you know, to really take advantage of that. He can do so in that realm of things. So the little bit of tape I liked on him, Pierre Gohawks, but level of competition with Old Dominion they're going against isn't the greatest, and there wasn't a lot of film to go look at him. So it's it I don't have much to go off of with them on that. It's I'm gonna have to kind of probably trust the scouting reports on this one, unless there's some more tape that gets put out there that we can kind of look through. Right. But he's he is quick on tape. He looks like the forty times aren't surprising. He does look for yeah. his size like a guy who moves really well. If we needed a tight end, I would take him, but I don't think we do. Yeah, I think it, absent a fan deal, we're not going tight end on that. But thank you, Peter. Appreciate you. Snail, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, I hope Arizona is dumb enough to gift us Anderson. <laughs> Could you imagine that, Brendan? We, it's in there. We got Anderson or a quarterback. You know, you can move back or take Anderson. Schneider's like, man, you put me in a conundrum here <laughs> at right. that point. Right. Uh, they are, they are, um, you know, I mean, and, and Will Anderson didn't test through the roof. He tested fine. He didn't test bad, but he didn't generationally test. Did he Brennan? Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like the Hutchinson thing last year, right? Mm -hmm. Where Hutchinson tested fine, but he didn't test off the charts. So you got a situation where Jacksonville went, you know what? Let's get the higher upside guy. Bingo. That's a great example, man. That's a, that's a tit for tat example in my for my measure of it. Where it's you, you got a Wilson guy elevating through this process post post round, like end of the season, kind of fringe first round guy. Da, 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 just keeps kind of rising on up, and uh, he's had that. He's having that Trayvon Walker jump this year a little bit, and it could happen, Snail. But what a beautiful thing it'd be for us if it does, because who had the better year this year, Brendan Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker? Oh boy. I mean, Hutchinson had as good a year as a rookie defensive end can have pretty much. Right. That's right. One, one could say, you know, sometimes you just don't want to overthink it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the answer is right there, clearly right in front of you. And you just take the straightforward down the middle approach to things a little bit. Thank you though, Stale. Appreciate you on that. Uh, Garth Knight in the house. What's up, Garth? He says, not since Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonilla. Has there been a more dynamic B themed duo? Keep up the work, boys. There we go. Thank you, Garth. I appreciate that. I'll be Bonilla. You can be Bonds. How's that sound? Um, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I got no I get, beef with that. Then I get the contract that pays me for 30 years on a yearly yeah. basis. You know. Yeah, I don't get any endorsement deals either after no. I retire. You I don't, don't get any Hall of Fame. You know, you're 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 you know you got to wear the uh, the A on your chest forevermore. 
you yeah. know, <laughs> the S on your but, chest. <laughs> but I'm a legend. I mean, but I'm you're a legend. legend, but you're a legend. There is that. There is that side of it. I did have somebody who wanted me to have us do on the stream yesterday. He's like, you know, what you and Brendan do is you guys argue like a court case and we, we put it as a poll to the chat on Jalen Carter. Like you'd, you'd argue the anti-Carter and I'd be the pro-Carter guy. Yeah. I'm not as anti-Carter as some people though. You probably have to find somebody who's I a know. little more emphatic. Yeah. You get Stanton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's definitely out on him. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Garth. Appreciate that, man. I love the, uh, I love the comp. I'll be Bobby Bo. Bobby <laughs> Bowman. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm digging it. Uh, Connor, thank you for the $2 donation. Who are your top three linebackers in the draft? So Brennan, who are your top three linebackers? Go outside. Let's go outside linebackers first. Outside. Okay. Uh, Will Anderson. Mm -hmm. Um, no, is it Nolan Smith next? Probably. Nolan Smith. Hi, Tyree Wilson goes over. Nolan oh yeah. Smith. Okay. Excuse me. Tyree Wilson. I forgot about him because I always think about him as like a defensive lineman because he's bigger. I think totally. I like, I think I like Nolan Smith more than miles Murphy. Will McDonald or Nolan Smith. I'm not quite there with McDonald yet. I like him, but I don't like him in the first. Nolan Smith or Lucas Van Ness. I don't like Van Ness very much. <laughs> I don't either. I'm pretty out on him. I'm not that yeah. interested in him at this point. Uh, me too. Me too on that one. Okay. So we got your three there. Nolan's your third. Uh, or right there with McDonald. Let's call him 3A and 3B. Uh, let's go middle linebackers. I got four names for you. You pick the three because I think you'll be one of these three on this. We got Trenton Simpson, Dan Henley, Drew Sanders, or Jack Campbell. I think I would go Simpson, Henley, Campbell. Beautiful. So I would go, uh, I'd go Anderson, uh, Tyree Wilson. And I think I would lean a little bit more with McDonald over Nolan Smith by just a smidge myself is just a difference on that. And then I would go Trenton Simpson, Dan Henley, Drew Sanders, and then Campbell. So I'm with Brendan, but we just flip, we flip out with each other where I have, I like Sanders upside versus the floor of Campbell, I guess is what we could call on that one, Connor. So that okay. would be my, my three guys on that one on the other side. Yeah. Of did you, did you end up, uh, have, I know you didn't like Drew Sanders during the season when you talked about him. Have you uh, kind of come around the Alabama tape on YouTube? So, uh, Arkansas defense, Alabama, 2022 that's available. Um, opened my eyes a little bit more to it. And I went back and watched a little bit more tape on him. The other thing is doing the research on him too, Brendan, where, he's at Alabama. He's not a middle linebacker. He's an edge in Alabama. And so when he comes to Arkansas, this is his first year playing middle linebacker and he's six, four and he's long and he moves fast and he shows flashes. And so you, okay, these aren't your typical, I only have seen these in flashes, but there's some of this bad tape in between the flashes. You go, I'm seeing the flashes and the bad stuff. Cause he's learning the position on the fly. And he's learning it in one of the top, in the toughest conference in all of the land. Right. He didn't go from Alabama out to the, Pac-12 or go to some easy conference during the middle linebacker duties. He stayed within the tough class to kind of do that. But when he shows you it on film, he's a complete linebacker on film when it is there in flashes. It's just not there consistently enough. And he does give you to Brendan that Micah Parsons ability from a legitimate standpoint, because he's six, four, you can have him come off the edge as a three, four edge. And he's got the familiarity with it. He had nine and a half sacks this past year. You know, so he he can get to the quarterback too, in, in addition to being kind of, I think, a developmental guy at the middle linebacker, but he's also a risk, Brendan. Cause I'm like, that's the thing with Campbell and him is he's all about that upside. 
Will he realize it though versus Campbell, who's kind of already up at that upside, and you know, you know what you're getting there. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if I'd like Popo more than both, honestly. Like, I really like Popo. Popo's great. Um, Popo's the next guy I have on my linebacker board behind these guys. So he's the very next guy. And when, we're, when we start trying to parse between these guys and where we're picking them, we're very, they're all very so closely aligned. I mean, we're not talking about differences of a second to fifth. You're talking about guys right aligned into the same spot of where they'll be selected. So um, Popoe's great. I don't know if I've got quite the second round grade on Popoe. He's a little light. A um, little bit going to struggle with those second point of attack points or the second level blocks. It'll come down where he gets enveloped at times because of the size issues. But yeah, he's uh, he's a fun player. He's lightning fast and he can hit like a a, a truck, you know, mm-hmm. when he arrives. So he's got a lot to his game that's that is fun. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and all pro Seahawks asked about Carl Brooks. I like Carl Brooks. All pro Seahawks. He's he's legitimately really big off the edge and he can still operate off the edge. There's a lot of edge guys in this draft like Keon White that can only operate really at the pro level from the inside. They're not going to be able to do outside stuff. And he can do both with that, where you can flip him in and out. My comp from him has been Michael Bennett minus the first step quickness of Michael Bennett. So he can use his hands like Bennett. He can use leverage like Bennett, but he just doesn't have that first step quickness out of his stance like Bennett, but he can do also the inside outside stuff. Sorry, I saw that question in there right below the other one. So I just wanted to address that one really quick. Uh, Chad Hart, thank you for another $10 donation. He says, this is exactly what I needed tonight. Brando and Brendan. Did you get over Brendo? I got Brando. I don't ever see you with a Brendo. I get a lot of misspellings of my name because it's such an odd way to spell the name. Yeah. It is. You know, you get a lot of yeah. Brendans. The, the funny thing is, uh, the casino that I play at actually has another person named Brendan with my spelling. So it's very obnoxious. It's like, this is the one time in my life when I run into somebody with the exact same spelling of my name. <laughs> and it's at a place where they're calling your name out constantly to let you know, you come here, do this, do that. Oh, Lord. So yeah, it's that would like, get annoying. Uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. You'd be like, just include the last name, the initial, please. Come on. Yeah. Work with me, casino. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Chad. Thanks for the $10 donation. We love doing this, man. So, you know, we'll keep on it throughout this off season and uh, on to the future on this. So we're back to our double, double duty too. Once we get back to the season, no doubt about that as well. But uh, thank you, man. Appreciate you on all the support. Thanks again for being a patron as well. Uh, Will Valdez with a $5 donation says the 20th pick and Noah Fant for Jerry Judy. What do you think, B team? Hmm. I might do Fant for Judy straight up. <laughs> I, can somebody explain the Jerry Judy thing to me? He has 0,000 yard seasons. Mm-hmm. And they I, want like two first round picks for him, like he's Jerry Rice at 24 years old. With, with drop problems, right? I mean, he's had drop problems that have been going on multiple years there too since he's entered the league. It's kind of a problem when you're you're a receiver and you got issues with the catching the football. Um, right. Yeah. See, here's the thing: when Sean Payton, when the Denver Broncos say we want a first round pick plus for Jerry Judy, what they're really saying is we don't want to trade him. Right? Yeah. I, I think that's all that can really be said. Zero thousand yard seasons, drop problems, uh, injury problems. By the way, I think he's battled injuries his whole career. And they want more than a first round pick for him. That's their way of saying, uh, let me save you some time. No. <laughs> yeah. I he's available. I just felt like for even going back to when he was drafted, just a tremendously overrated player. I I you know, it's the whole thing with his route running, and they were they were like, he runs better routes than most pros when he was coming out. And there was just this this hype on him that was when you really watch the tape at the end of the day on him, he's not particularly explosive. He does run good routes, but the hands aren't great, they're okay. Um, he's not a real yak guy for you. 
you know, it's, it's, he's got some limitations to me as a wide receiver. And, um, I, I, yeah, I'm just not a big, big Judy guy myself, Will, but I think the Cardinal, the Broncos are crazy for thinking they're getting anything at this point, but probably a late second to a third round pick at the most for Judy. I mean, that's, that's the going weight on receivers on that, you know, for that at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's kind of like when we asked for like two first round picks for Earl Thomas, it's like basically saying, we don't want to trade him. Go away. Stop bothering us. Who would you take, Jerry, Judy, or Brandon Cooks just having a choice, not value being equal for giving up? Well, how old is Cooks? He's only 30. He's, he was a really young guy coming in the league. I guess I would do Cooks. I mean, you only need a couple years out of him anyway. He should have a couple years left. Only thing is all the concussions might make him actually be older than his age number suggests. Could be. I do think he's going to cost you less to his draft capital than Judy will at this point. But even if they were equal, I I, I would lean to still Cooks. I just I'm I'm completely out on Judy. I think as yeah, outside of just getting him on a, a fringe level, just something about him doesn't strike me right. I don't know what it is. Some I think it's some players are kind of rub you the wrong way. I guess. Thank you though, Will. Appreciate the donation, man. Uh, definitely would be willing to do it for lesser than that. But uh, I like it. Like where your head's at. It's creative. Uh, Snail, thank you for the $2 donation. Says the number one linebacker in the draft is Dayon Henley. Go Cougs. <laughs> well, I got him as my number two, man, as far as middle linebackers go. So I got him close. But yeah. uh, it's hard with Trent Simpson, isn't it? When he's two inches, he's two inches taller. He can rush off the edge. He's uh, 10 pounds heavier than Henley. Um, and I love Henley, but um, it's it's just tougher with what kind of Simpson brings to brings to bear just a bit on that one. Yeah, uh, Simpson just man, like on every level, he's just a stud. And after the combine, his draft stock started falling. I have no idea why. I thought he had a great combine. Yeah, I did too, man. I thought he he did great. I thought. Let me take a look at this again. Six three two thirty five. He didn't do everything. He only did four. He only did the forty and the. He only did the 40. So yeah, that's but the, the thing is he ran a really good 40 despite gaining four, four, three. 10 pounds. 443, four, Brendan. That's great for a middle linebacker. 443 four, at 63, 235. Yeah. You know, guys are at usually that, that's the thing. They're usually at that 225 or 220 weight if they're running in the 443, you know, area of things. So he's just too freakish on that and still has almost 33 inch long arms. So or 32 and a half, which is at least long enough to still be able to accommodate him off the edge. Yeah. So I still, but Henley's great. And I think uh, the more I've looked at Henley, the more I think he's like a Levante David type of player. And if, uh, a guy that I think the Seahawks, Schmitz and Henley are the two guys I just find them really falling in love with as much as anybody else the first couple of rounds for what they could bring to the team and the type of prospects they are. They just feel like right fits to me. Yeah. But uh, thank you, uh, Snail, for the donations and everyone for all the donations. Oh, I'm not quite caught up here. We got one more here. Do, 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 do. Uh, board Skyler. Thank you for the $5 donation board. Skyler says, have you ever thought about a casino, having a casino meetup? I'm from Southwest Washington. Would you meet up for a group poll? Have you ever thought about doing a, uh, in-person thing? I mean, I've thought about it, but it's never really gone anywhere yet. I, I just don't think like, like you got to get up to that Norcam level before you start doing in-person meetups. I think I'm not there yet. I don't know, man. I think if you did a casino, I think you'd be surprised how many people would uh, show up. If you did it, I've always kind of wondered on that a little bit, but you might be right. Maybe you got to get a little bit bigger, you know, at that spot. Uh, if I get over the West side, Brendan, maybe we'll do a combo up deal and just we'll pull, we'll pull everything together, you know, see what we can get out of 20,000, 20, 22, 23,000 subscribers. <laughs> see, see how many we get to show up, but uh, I'd be down for it at some point in the future board, Skylar. I'm sure we'll, we would be able to 
you know, at some point down the road, do something like that. That'd be kind of fun. Casino's yeah. probably a good idea too, because then you can have actual people that aren't 18 in there, right? It's always been the problem. If you do it at a bar, you can't have the kid, yeah. the younger kids can't come in and check it out. So, yeah, I think a pretty decent chunk of my viewership is actually uh, people who are under 18. So that is a good point. Yeah. I think it'd be a good idea at some point. I think they'd be a definitely, if I was on the West side, I'd be doing, I'd be trying to do a meetup a little bit more, but uh, you know, I spoke in, I don't think we got enough folks out here with that. So I have to get over, get over there. Uh, but thank you board Skyler. I think it's a great, um, uh, great suggestion. And maybe I'll try to rope Brendan in if I ever go over the West side and see if I could talk him into it. If I get over there here, uh, I might get over there this summer, Brendan, you never know on this one. So I've been thinking about checking out training camp this year on a couple of times. Uh, once we get to that point going, I've never done the, the in-person on that. Have you ever done that? Um, the training camp, I've been to that once. It was many years ago. I think it was like 2016 or something. How was but it? I, did, I liked it. It was cool. It was fun. Really hot that day, I remember, but uh, it was good. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm kind of turning turn it over a little bit, maybe catch a Mariner game, you know, do that, do the whole experience with that. Um, well, we've kind of, uh, we, we've gotten through a, yeah, we're good at World Cup there. We've gone through a little bit of the signings here, Brendan. We looked at where they're at mon monetarily wise with our Seahawks here at this point. Um, give me what you think are the next moves coming down the pike here. Give me your prognostications. I mean, I think you have to create some cap space here. It's going to be hard to do much of anything. By the way, a lot of people are saying that apparently Wagner's going to the Raiders, but I'm not seeing anything like official. Apparently, he changed his twitter avatar to a picture of dice and people are thinking he means oh dice means gambling gambling means vegas vegas means raiders <laughs> <clears throat> but um i i'm not seeing any official reports about it uh, these players with their emojis send these fans in different directions don't they with the with the eyeball emojis and the dice and they, they know what they're doing you know what i mean yeah um but after that i kind of want to i think I mean, we really need multiple linebackers, so we need to get somebody. And I don't really care who it is that much. It could be Quan Alexander for $2 million. Mm -hmm. But um, you got to get somebody. But in terms of, like, actually adding massive value to the team, I'm looking at, like, uh, Matthew Ioannidis and Greg Gaines. I think those two guys are the top two guys for me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, gains. I mean, we need a real nose tackle. Like as far as I'm concerned, we don't have a nose tackle right now. Al Woods might be good for like 15 snaps a game. Yeah. And Monet, I don't get the sense he's going to be healthy for week one. He tore his ACL late in the year. Agreed. So I want Greg Gaines because he's to me the best remaining nose tackle. Him and Ashawn Robinson would probably be the best too. So one of those two guys. And if you want to, like, get your gusto back after missing out on Zach Allen, I think Ioannidis is the only guy you could really go after who's on that level or even close. Yeah, it's starting to get a little bit thinned down on some of these uh, positional groups as far as the number of options you have available to you to go out there and grab. Um, if we were to create more space, if you had to choose between going um, – uh, let's say you had to choose between going – they create a little more cap space, and you pick between um, – Ionitis and Drake Tranquil or Adam Thielen. Who would you go with? Probably Ionitis. I mean, to me, Thielen, like these receivers are tough, right? Sometimes you end up paying a guy like five million 
And the guy you could have gotten for the vet min ends up not really being that different. I feel like that happens all the time at receiver. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, I think you could probably get Goodwin for the vet min or yeah. very close to the vet min. I'm not convinced he would be any worse than Thielen. Like Thielen's getting older. I don't feel like his game is going to age all that well. So I'm, 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 I wasn't, I've never been big on the Thielen thing, really. That's fair enough. That's totally fair enough. Just kind of wanted to wonder where you're at on that one. Uh, Snail, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, is Max Borgie available? We need a running back. I don't even know what happened to Max Borgie. He went somewhere. Uh, he's not in the NF. I think he's selling insurance somewhere, probably. Oh, is he? Yeah, well, he was going to be a fringe guy, so that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Snail, you mean uh, you mean Washington State legend Max Borgie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Got a running thing going there. He was fun. I, I, I kind of wanted him in the seventh round the year he came out. Yeah, he was a little, uh, he's a little spitfire running back, right? He's a little jitterbug guy out there a little like undersized guy third down back type thank you though snail for the dono uh garth knight thank you for the five dollar donation says if y'all do a meetup can y'all bring some eight by ten glossies of you two autographed i'd throw a 20 at that yeah Uh, for sure i think i think we'd probably do the autographs for free i think we'd both just be like oh yeah you want my autograph? hey all right here here we go yeah i've been (laughs) recognized in public a few times by the way i don't know if you have yet it's happened a few times for me it happens with me, but then people, it takes them a little while to put it together. Like, oh, wait, you know, you just think that was, you know, where they do that. But uh, you probably, I was thinking you'd get a little bit more on the West side on it. Yeah. Is it good interactions? Is it like, hey, what's up? You know? Like, yeah, it's always been good. It's always been cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's probably going to happen more and more. It's just get bigger and bigger too, especially being out there on the West side. So, you know, it's, it's only going to get more and more. Pretty soon, Brendan, you're not going to be able to leave your house. So mm-hmm. that's, that's just where this goes, you know? I know, it's kind I know. Of, it's not, it all settles out. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> Well, you know, you'll be a star though. So it's all good. Uh, thank you, Garth. Appreciate that. Whoa, John Stillwell coming in with a $50 donation tonight. John, thank you so much for the massive donation, brother. Very, very, very kind of you, uh, man. Appreciate all the support tonight. John coming in hard here at the end with a $50 donation. Thank you so much, man. He says, I can't stick around tonight, but nice to see the two best get together. Very kind of you to yeah. say, man. And John, you you rock for that donation, bro. Thank yeah, you. John sends me a lot of like tips when I'm offline, actually. Like overnight, he'll send like tips and stuff. So he's a big supporter over on my channel as well. And yours, cool. All right. Yeah, no, John's definitely on my side of it as well. And uh, John, definitely, uh, we love what we do here. As I said, it'll be nothing. We'll be keeping it going on in the future. So uh, yeah, expect to see more BNB as we move on here and uh, continue to expand with it. But uh, man, tremendous. Thank you so much for the $50 donation and another one of my patrons as well. Thank you for being a patron of the channel as well, John. I do, uh, I do appreciate that, bro. Very, very kind of you. And no worries on sticking around. I know we got things get busy, so it's all right. good on that front of things. Um, well, I like where you're going as far as uh, our, our future on this uh, with the next couple of moves. I think you're probably right on the gate with it. Um, do you anticipate if you were to lay money down, if I said black or red, and I said black being Seahawks are going to make a major trade here before the draft day or not? What would you lean your money on? Trade or move in general or specifically a trade? A trade. I would say no. I don't think that's – I think the odds of that are lower than 50%. Maybe they're higher than 20%, but I don't think they're higher than 50 If uh, they go out and they have a – they do a Matt Ioannidis signing, um, let's say they, say they they find a way to fit Bobby in just somewhere or another just for the hell of it, let's say. Uh, does this team – with the draft and they have a successful draft that comes close to last year, maybe not quite last year. Cause that was epics, but they come, they have a very, another solid draft. 
of performance, right, Brendan? Like they get guys performing next year at a place that's like, okay, legitimate. Those guys are helping you out. Is that a roster that can go to the Super Bowl next year? I think so. Um, if not, it's very, very close. It's close enough to where I feel like we did our job. I mean, I, I'm looking at it right now. Like the big issues with this team last year were mostly on defense. If you're bringing in Ioannidis and Draymond Jones and you still have the draft to presumably address nose tackle in some way and you're making linebacker at least a little bit better and you're getting expected levels of improvement from your rookies last year. That's the thing people need to realize. You would expect any rookie to improve significantly from year one to year two. It's when they make their biggest leap, yeah. according to coaches. Yeah. Maybe not Woolen because Woolen played so good. There's not that much room for him to go necessarily. But guys like Kobe Bryant, Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, Ken Walker, they should all be better by a pretty decent amount, right? I would think so. And maybe even Woolen's case, it, that is the case. He could get so. He is still new to the position and a lot. And something that you heard about every player talking about him because they just kept just being like blown away by this aspect. They're like, yeah, you watch him and he doesn't even know what he's doing. Yeah. You know, so what happens when he knows what he's doing and he understands where he needs to go and the, the actual technique to play in a given situation, as opposed to just trust my speed and quickness to get there. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, um, I, I'm, I'm stoked for that too. And I think they very well could, it will be relying on that. I think Brennan, if you're going to get yeah. to the Super Bowl at that point, then you're going to need those second year returns. You're going to need the draft to hit and those guys to come in and play immediately, not to wait on them to kind of eventually get around there to being ready, but really they're providing some kind of help right from the jump. But yeah part of the benefit, I guess, in picking yeah. this much. And the main problem with the um, offense last year was center and right guard. You've already addressed center with the Evan Brown signing. I think he's going to be, at the very least, he'll be noticeably better than uh, uh, Blythe. I, he, he's yeah. better than Blythe. Blythe, yeah. this is a better sign than Blythe. Remember, Blythe played, didn't play the whole previous year prior to you signing in with the Chiefs. Um this, this guy's going to give you better play than what Blythe gave you. So he's a guy that gives you everybody what Blythe gave you in pass protection, if not better. And he actually can run block a little bit as well from that um, center position. So I, I, I'm, I, I think almost as much as any signing, I love the Draymond Jones signing, but for the value is that you love this signing, this one-year deal with the kid out of Detroit because just the value oh, yeah. is so great. It's not thinking. even close. This is like basically what we paid Kyle Fuller last year. Yeah, exactly. And, what is Kyle like? I don't know how this got done. Does is he like the best kept secret in the NFL? No one else knows that he exists or something. I think probably the guard performance lessened him down in a way where people didn't see him as the pure center and where he should be. And that probably hurt his because as we saw with this with uh Posick, right? Where you move Posick to guard and it's like, ugh, this guy is even an NFL player. But then you move him to center and it's like, well, no, he's functional once you put him in the right spot. So it's always said, you know, center doesn't make a guard. A guard doesn't make a center necessarily. Yeah. And I, I think that that kind of shows that just a little bit. So, you know, I, I, I love that that signing, it's a tremendous one and it's going to help us out. Um, upon, on top of the flexibility gives you at both guard and center. He can play if you get caught into an injury pinch at some point in time in the year. So, uh, helps us out and uh, we don't have to thrust like you said earlier we don't have to thrust the rookie out there necessarily from the jump if we draft a john michael schmitzer yeah some people theorize that pete really doesn't like having a rookie center starting like that's something that he's really not into because of the he you know the center is the quarterback of the offensive line because i think maybe, probably the, the protections go back to the quarterback sorry to interrupt you but maybe because the protections go back to the quarterback then you know now mm -hmm. gino instead of making his reads is having to set things up and you don't you want your quarterback making his reads and his checks, not adjusting the line protections. You have him do yeah. some of that stuff, but not whole hog, right? You'd like right. to have your your center sitting there 
they do the point move, Brendan, you know, where they do this, where they're like, he's like, yep. That was the one thing Blythe could do. He's a pointer. He could point like nobody. As soon as the snap came out, he was uh, a different person. He was, but boy, could he align him up. Yep. (laughs) He could, he could line the pieces across the board. Uh, John, again, thank you for that $50 donation, brother. You're amazing for that and all your support on both of our channels. It doesn't go unnoticed. It really is appreciated. Uh, Ethan Tech World, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, what up, BNB? Done with the finals at UW? If the Jonathan Allen free agent approach is true, that is extremely frustrating. Jody Allen free agent approach is true. That's extremely frustrating. It's such a huge disadvantage. Go Hawks. It's something that sets you back a little bit. Um, and I'm it's my worry. I don't think Brendan's as worried about this as maybe I am probably a little bit, and maybe I'm overly so in this case a little bit. Um, but I'm definitely worried about it. I, I look at this team and I see that there are times that you leave advantages on the table. And as a football team, you have all of these potential advantages you can take advantage of. And Seattle sort of kind of halves these over and slides them off the table and goes, we'll just work with this. And when you're not trying to take advantage of the monetary advantages, when we, from a defensive standpoint, don't take care, don't take advantage of the defensive schematic advantages. When you look at us from a penalty standpoint, and we are traditionally always one of the most highly penalized teams in the NFL, meaning we don't play real clean, technically clean football in that respect of things. These are advantages you leave off the table on a weekly basis, on a yearly basis, and you can overcome them. You can still be successful. But Brendan, my worry as we kind of go along a little bit with this is that there does become a point where you're, you're taking too many advantages off the table to where you're, you're setting yourself up to never be able to get to a point of being elite. You might get yourself up to good or one and done or where we've been recently, but you might not be able to put yourself up over the top to truly turning yourself into a, what, a, a, a real contender, right? Being a one and done team every year is not really a contender. That's you being a fringe playoff team every year. Yeah, I mean, in order for you to make up for it, you need to be a top three drafting team and we're not. I mean, we had a great draft last year, but overall, we're not. Um, you need to be an elite team in terms of player development, and we're not. Maybe lately, maybe over this last year, we have been, but overall, the last 10 years, we haven't been. There are mm-hmm. ways you can make up for it. There are always ways you can make up for it. Like, uh, you know, this whole thing that we talk about sometimes about whether or not you should pay the quarterback because, you know, teams that spend X amount of money on the quarterback don't win the Super Bowl. You can overcome it. It's not mm-hmm. some hard and fast rule. The, the degree of difficulty just goes up and yeah. this team has enough shortcomings without having yet another degree of difficulty thing to try to overcome. Exactly. Um, you, you put it well put there and I can't put it any better than that, Ethan, in the perspective, that's where I land on it. It's, it's something that is not going to necessarily be a death knell. This isn't the thing that sinks us. It's the thing that prevents us from having success, but it's, it's, it's a thing you worry a little bit about because football is such a competitive sport and you have these teams, Brendan, they're pushing every advantage they can far as they can push it aren't they i mean they're they're, it's you got the rams with the void years and the stack and the guaranteed money instead of bonus money so we can push the contracts down um teams are doing this more and more it's the price of doing business and if if you don't do it if you're you're operating completely opposite end of the scale it just feels like you are setting yourself just in in a little bit of a tougher realm to try to make this happen but we'll see if it's a it's a different approach maybe it's one that they find a way and if they do draft better brendan like you just said if they do do the player development better then they can overcome this so it's it's not it's not the end all be all in that situation. It's just a thing, a part of the process with that. Right. Uh, but thank you, um, Ethan, uh, for that. Is there anything else you got on your mind, Publin, right now, Brendan? Um, what do you think about Barton? Three and a half, three and a half mil to Washington. I was actually tuning into your uh, live stream, listening to you talk about this the other day, and I think that your thoughts on this were probably right on with this when you said, you know, he's going to have 
uh, a much more successful situation set up for him in Washington than he did here. He goes to a 4-3 defense. He plays middle linebacker. I still do maintain that I think with both Brooks and Barton, their best positions are as middle linebackers in a 4-3 defense. And so I think he's going to go out there and potentially flourish. It was never a question for me of whether or not Cody Barton could handle the middle linebacker duties in a 4-3. It's that that's not what we were ever asking him to do here. He's either a Sam or he's a Will. Or then, you know, he in this case is a middle linebacker in a 3-4 defense this year. You know, that's not his fit. And, and, you know, Brendan, this has been a place I've harped out so many times on this, that, that it's my pet peeve a little bit where it just gets thought of ubiquitously, you know, a guard can be a right guard or he can be a left guard. You know what I mean? This whole, like the guy can do this and then he can do that. And he can do this too. When football is such a specialized sport and you have to just narrow in on, this is what this guy does. This is who he is. This is what you need to put him into a position to do if you're going to put him on the football field. And instead they kind of try to salvage things a little bit with him on this. But I think he'll be good. As I heard you said, you, you feel the same way, right? I mean, that defensive front in front of him, he's going to run around for days. He He's going to pull a Trey Flowers. He's going to do the Trey Flowers mm -hmm. where he goes to another team that plays him differently and he's going to do well. I think he's going to be the next Trey Flowers. Yeah. It's, it's, you, you draft players, you got to put them in the position to be successful. And the Seahawks haven't been horrible about this, but there's a little bit of a track record at times of putting guys out of the position that, that allows them to be the most successful. And, and I think they're going to show that to you a little bit here with Barton. And, and, and you're right about the Trey Flowers one where he finds a role with the Bengals. You, you don't get stuck on fitting the guy, sorry, Kitty, uh, fitting the guy <laughs> into what you do, you know, you, where you force him like, this is what you're going to do. You got to do it the way we do it. You, you look at the player and say, how do we get the most out of this guy and his talents? And then fit that into, fit that, fit him into us rather than we fit him in, uh, you know, the opposite way. And it seems like we go a little bit of the opposite way of like, you'll do it the way we want it done. Um, which most of the time I've always been told that the great coaching gets the most out of the players rather than force fitting them into their, you know, scheme and their thing. And this is what you are. You got to be in this on this, like get the most out. What does the guy do? Great. Get the most of him from that. You know? Right. I agree. But no, I think it'll be a good fit over there for them and Washington. We'll see what they're going to do, man. Quarterback wise is that's the key with them is I don't have any idea of what the hell their plan is at quarterback in that division, which it's kind of a, it's a low, kind of a low key tough division with giants yeah. on the rise now and spending money and Cowboys and the Eagles where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. That is going to be difficult, but um, I, I like them. I still say they're probably going to get Lamar. Is that, that's your bet and favorite for Lamar on that one? I think so. I think so. Does that, if they get Lamar with the moves they've made, does that change their place in that division anywhere? Oh man! I mean, <laughs> let me think here. Uh, what's Dallas going to be this year? They haven't done anything in free agency either. They haven't done a lot. They got Stephon Gilmore, um, but they haven't uh, they haven't made a lot of signings. They certainly have lost a little bit. They got their running back with a torn ACL at the end of the year last year. Um, Eagles lost a ton. Eagles lost a little bit. They brought some guys. Got they got Brandon Graham coming back in. They were able to bring back Slay. Uh, they brought back the other cornerback too. Bradbury's coming back there. So they were able to bring him into the fold. They've really only lost in Fletcher Cox is back there. So they've really only lost mm -hmm. Hargrave and a couple of other kind of role guys a little bit. Um, so I think they're going to still be pretty strong. Maybe it makes them a couple games better, but I don't think that he instantly puts them in even into being a playoff contender with that necessarily just on his own. Yeah, but I mean, especially when you're in that situation that Washington's in, like you have to try is my thing. Like, you know, I was talking about the Broncos the other day on stream. Like, I don't think what they're doing is going to work if the marker of success and failure is whether or not they win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. Because that's clearly the goal here, right? They get Sean Payton for these picks. 
they uh, uh, sign all these players on big backloaded contracts. Like, I don't think it's going to work, but you have to try, right? At least they're trying. At least they're not just sitting there and saying, okay, let's just run out the clock until we can cut Wilson and blow it up and get Caleb Williams. Like, like they're not do. at least they're not doing that. At least they're putting effort into this. So you have to try. Your point's on point with this. I think you, if you're going to decide you're not with Wilson and you don't think he can do it, then you cut bait and you cut bait immediately. You don't wait to see, but if you're going to rec- try to reclimate it, then try to truly reclimate it. Try to, to make a real true go at it. Don't half-ass it and just sort of like, well, we kind of did what we could. And they are making moves that are, you know, going to make them the better offensive line with the right tackle. McGlinchey, I'm not super high, but he does make them better there than they yeah. were before. And um, they can do more beyond this at this point as far as the line. So they're taking some moves to do what they can there. Um, and none of it's going to hold them back from potentially, you know, moving on from Russ after this year. I will say, Brendan, it was kind of interesting to see them give Jared Stidham a two-year $10 million deal. I did notice that that was interesting, but that is kind of the going rate for competent backup QB play right now, as I said, right? That four, five, six million dollars a year. Totally is. But I do think it's also one where you go, they didn't have a lot of money to spend there. They're doing the two year. It's a two year deal, not just a one year deal. So there's a thought process here to me on this one, a little bit of this is a feat to the fire to Russ a bit here because Russ now doesn't just have a rookie behind him of a, a, he doesn't have a Brett Rippon just sitting behind him. Let's say he's got now a guy that's going to be, you know, not legitimate, but somebody they can at least push him if he's going to be at the play where he was last year. Um, and so I looked at it as a little bit of like, Brennan, it's like Sean already kind of just, he he's not marrying himself to Russell here. That's my point. Yeah. Is, right? He's like, he's, he's definitely, you know, looking forward on this a little bit in other ways on this too. So it's, it's yeah, kind I mean, of weird no watching reason this. for him to No, no, there isn't no, but some people thought when he took that job that maybe he was sort of taking it partly because of Russell, because there was some, and I don't, I think it was for all other factors. The money's being paid. Denver's an organization, the Walmart money, him having the control he would have. That's why he took the job. I think. Yeah. Above all else. John M four, two, nine with a $10 donation. Thank you. John says, all in all, since the Wilson trade, things are trending upward with me as far as management goes. Like the draft last year and the move so far in free agency. What do you think of Devin Bush? You're muted. You're muted. Sorry. Um, I want Devin Bush. I think he's going to be really cheap. And at a, to, a, to an extent, at the linebacker position this year, we're going to just be throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks anyway. So why not bring in an uber talent? Like um, Corbin Smith suggested, what if you get Wagner and Devin Bush? Then Devin Bush is learning from one of the great all-time middle linebackers, getting to play with him. And at that point, if you don't get anything good out of him, then you know nothing can save this dude. So, yeah, I'm not uh, John. I'm and thank you for the donation. I'm I'm completely um, okay with taking Bush. I think, like Brendan said, once you get past Wagner and Perryman into the second level, into the what the third level of guess of these middle linebackers at this point. They're all kind of kind of aligned out in the same sort of spot and where they are. You might have a guy that like Bush is a former top 10 pick, or maybe there's a little more talent there that you think you can tap into than a guy like uh, Quan Alexander, who's at the end of the line. He's not going to play, but maybe another year or two in this league. And so you could go a little bit of a difference there, but Bush at least gives you a young guy with some potential, I guess. And he has played in a 3-4. I do say, though, Brendan, if the if the Steelers Kevin can't turn you into a linebacker, I don't know if we can. You know what I mean? That's one of those positions where they – they, they know how to develop linebackers. You know what I mean? And if, if they ain't getting it out of you, I don't know. I don't, Can I, I don't know. I'll offer up one thing, though. Mm-hmm. He was fine until he tore his ACL. Maybe it just took this long for him to recover. Good point. 
Good point. ACLs can sometimes take an extra year to kind of get that leg back into the right place and ready to really, really rebounding in the way to where they get their bounce back to them a, a little bit. And, uh, you know, John, there's definitely some points even on this stream where I've had some certain questions of, of management, spending money, the, the worries as far as dealing with one arm time behind your back, as far as at least finances are concerned at times. But I think that your first opening statement on this is very much true and applicable being that it's been an upward trend in the right way over the last year in, in, in totality. Um, this team, certainly from the Wilson trade to the draft for the most part, how they've spent their money, uh, has been good and solid and smart, and they have avoided making the bad decision to get themselves um, overturned here. And this rebuild is going to turn around very fast because of that. So they've earned some some good measure of faith and hope in that respect of things um, because they've been, been pretty on the solid, solid line here. And we'll see how they go with this draft, the way they spend the rest of this money. But it has been an upward trend as of recent. You're right about that. Right. Thank you for the dono, though. Uh, Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donations. Is What do y'all plan for draft broadcasts? Also, let me know when you have Craig representing on the wall, Brando. I got the uh, delivery in today, Garth, so I got to go to the my, bo my boy's house to pick up the stuff, but I got it there, so I should have it up by the next stream for you there, Garth. I hope I got in the background at that point. Um, draft day. Uh, are we doing an, an everyday post-draft thing? Well, I figure it should be like last year where we do our own streams during the draft. Right. And then after the first day and second day, we probably do a quick show. It's not going to take that long because we have two picks on day one and three mm. picks on day two. So it's not going to be super long. The last day, we're going to be streaming all day because it's four rounds. So we might want to wait until the next day. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good plan. So we'll probably go back and forth on each channel and then be on one of our two channels, depending on what we're on on our sequencing. Um for the it would be Sunday would be the 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 the, the fun, not draft day but the last day after the draft, and that's where we can do maybe kind of a full wrap at that point, Garth, and look at all the picks total in the draft in total at that point. So, first two nights will be on uh, third night, especially by the third day. You and I will both be running on empty anyway by that third <laughs> third day. It's it's the voices. I don't know about you by that point, but my voice will be yeah. done. The eyes will be going sideways. Can't right. you know? Can't even read the chat anymore. It's, <laughs> It's tough. Yeah, I mean, this week has kind of prepared me for anything, right? Like, I, I, I'm gonna, I haven't been on camera the whole time, but by the time tomorrow's up, I'll probably have been on camera on stream for like 30 hours. Oh no, you've been, you've been a soldier this week. And if you guys haven't been checking it out, Brendan's been uh, doing streaming every week about about nine o'clock or so in the morning, getting up, doing it on his channel, covering the action live. So uh, he'll be on tomorrow, by the way, on his channel, Seahawks Brendan Nelson at nine. I think you're right. You got it. If you've done this week, this uh, three day draft ain't going to be nothing for you. You know what I mean? It's yeah. that, it's that last day that'll get you. That's the one that gets you though. It's because you've done the two days and then the last day is the longest day. And then people are, you got the, un, it, it, you get to the end of the draft and then people are like, well, wait, the undrafted free agents. We got to talk about those two. <laughs> and so then, right. then you're another two or three hours in on the undrafted free agents and you're just like, oh, Lordy, here yeah. we go. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, People kept noting that every time I left the stream, we would do something. So like today at one o'clock, we hadn't done anything. So I like got off stream for hours, just trying to will it into existence. And finally we gave Drew Lock money. So it worked. It worked, yeah. man. That's the kids. You just got to get off the stream and then something happens and then bam, back in it. Like we're going to go, we're going to sign off. And then Bobby news will come down at nine, nine 45. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Uh, do, do we have a mod in the chat to get rid of the spammer, please? Yeah, I'm about to drop him out of here right now. Thank you. Boop. Anyway, um, 
Anything else to talk about right now? I think we basically have covered it. Uh, we've got the we've got the signings here that we've gone through, um, where we've spent the money, what we've got to spend less. Um, we're going to be as we get through this stuff now moving forward. We got a little bit of a wrap up. I think we still have to do on free agency. On what's his next week? We're doing a free agent wrap up. Are we looking starting to look at the draft? Next um, week? Well, next week the plan is we do like more free agency stuff, depending on what happens next week. If we don't do anything or we do very little. I think we're going to start leaking into the draft stuff where we start talking about specifically the number five pick. Well, there you go. So we'll start uh, getting a little bit more into that. And there's a lot to turn over with that five pick right now. It's a very interesting um, from so many different angles, Brendan, in, in kind of unpacking this one, but we'll see if the Hawks maybe do some other moves here. It still is just the beginning of the free agency. After all, Brendan, this has only been really going technically live approximately about 36 hours or so. So we still are at the beginning of this. There's still some more moves to be made. I know, like you said, Seattle has kind of spent most of the money, but there is a lot of moves that they can make to restructure deals and move things around if they want to bring on and accommodate a couple more players in here. So it doesn't necessarily mean they're done quite yet, I would say. Brandon, I appreciate you as ever for coming on in here in the chat, hanging on for almost two, well over two and a half hours here as you do on your side of it. Folks, do me a couple favors here. First off, hit that like button if you haven't already. We had well over 500 people here in the chat today, which is a tremendous amount of um, uh, showing out by everybody here in the channel. So if you can, please hit that like button for me. Also sub up if you're not already subbed up. I would really appreciate it. And then otherwise of that, go over there to Seahawks Brendan Nelson. That's Seahawks Brendan Nelson's channel. Get subbed up to his side as well over there as he's covering content daily over on his side of things. And he will be streaming tomorrow morning as well. So Brendan... Thank you, man, for coming on. It's been a tremendous show with you here as always. Uh, Seahawks making some moves. We'll see if these are the moves enough to make us to get us up over the top on the other side. We shall see. So we will be back on his side next week, Thursday, 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. But in the meantime, folks, as we're waiting for the Bobby news to come down, I hope me and Brendan don't have to remind you, but you know what? We're going to do it anyway. So, Brendan, let's remind him. Let's let him know here that even when we're worried a little bit about this offseason or loving this offseason, either way, don't you ever, ever, ever forget Go Hawks. Go Hawks.